There we go. Okay. Oh, glorious air conditioning. We've got the glorious air conditioning on. Gotcha. So, uh, you you have a couple things that you put into the Trello. Um, which did you want to talk about first? Uh, we can go into the redemption arcs. Okay. I'd actually uh, sent my friend a message to see if he wanted to participate, but he's saying he wants an hour. Um, not sure we can do that, but okay. <laughs> he wants an hour. Yeah, because he's watching videos. Oh. Uh... We've got a schedule here, Dagnabbit. Mm, yeah. But, uh, 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 redemption arcs for the most part. And just, uh, thoughts and then kind of an examination of them. Um, first off, this, the redemption arc topic came to mind because I was watching someone play through one of the Naruto games mm. and so I sat down and I was like why why are redemption arcs such a thing why are they mm. so popular why is it that everyone seems to love them I've seen people uh, just from my opinion on Naruto mm. uh, <laughs> just so you understand my opinion on Naruto I think it's trash I think Naruto has a worse storyline than Dragon Ball does, and Dragon Ball's storyline is pretty bad. But there are cool characters that have come out of Naruto, and there are some very impressive and cool fights. Like, the first fight between Naruto and Sasuke in the valley of... I forget what the name of the valley was, but their very first real fight is still one of the one of the highlights of the Naruto series for me. I love that fight. Uh, the fight between Pain and Naruto, I still really like that fight. So there, there are a lot of characters and uh, fights in the show that I really like. Uh, the the Sound Ninja Four fights with Neji in them. I honestly think the show falls apart after the time skip in Shippuden. That's where I think it falls apart. But the whole whole narrative of the show. The narrative of the show is that a hard worker who has no talent can be just as good as a person with genius talent. And that's supposed to be the dynamic between Naruto and Sasuke. Now, in this, right. whichever, this is supposed to be the main theme of the show, it fails. Because Naruto hmm. isn't just some hardworking, talentless guy. He's actually from a ridiculously rare and powerful bloodline. He's the son of one of the most powerful shinobi to have ever lived. He is the reincarnation of a god. Naruto was always the genius. He was always the talented person. He just didn't work for it. Sasuke at hmm. least worked for it. Sasuke was constantly training, constantly improving. Naruto only ever really trained or improved when someone made him. Hmm. 
Um, kind of like when he did when Sasuke was trying to train to do that um, fire breathing jutsu at the lake. Yeah, yeah. And how all through his, they show him all through his childhood trying to mimic uh, Itachi. Sasuke had the talent, he had the genius, but he constantly worked his ass off so that he could be as good as his brother, right? So that he could be really good and get his brother's acknowledgement. He Sasuke was always a hard worker, and that makes you that much better when you have the talent and you're also that hard worker. Naruto, on the other hand, never really did squat. So this, so this is why I say this story is trash because the main theme of the story, what it's supposed to center around, it fails at. If they had wanted this story to succeed, Rock Lee should have been the protagonist. Here is a person who can't do ninjutsu, doesn't actually really have a talent for being a ninja, but he is constantly working 10 times harder than anyone else just to keep up. And mm-hmm doing that he is one of the strongest ninja on the planet he's not the strongest but he's definitely in the top 20 Um, especially when he opens those gates especially when he learns to open the gates so and Mike Guy also shows that because once again he took Rock Lee under his wing and because Rock Lee was just like him neither of them had talent in using ninjutsu or genjutsu and they only had talent in taijutsu, which they uh, trained and trained furiously to make it good enough to allow them to compete with more powerful ninja. So if they had focused around Rock Lee as the protagonist, the theme would have worked and the story actually would have been really good. But because they focus around Naruto, who is a prodigy mm-hmm. amongst prodigies, it doesn't work. And that's why the story is trash. And I've seen people try to defend Naruto, um, and it it bothers me that they can't even acknowledge this. Nope. So, bye, yeah, bye, uh, So this is about the redemption arc because it once again this happened because I was watching someone play through Naruto, and they also went through it as well, and they critiqued it. The redemption arcs in Naruto are just insane; they're insanity. They're absolute <laughs> insanity. So I was like, why do people like this whole redemption arc thing so much? Why is this redemp- Why is a redemption arc such a big deal? So I, I sat down, I read through some articles, and a lot of the articles basically said the same thing. That the redemption arc is watching someone hit their lowest lows, but it gives the audience hope because they see their own flaws in this character and the fact that that character can come back from it gives them a sense of hope that they too in their darkest times can come back from it but that's not really what a redemption arc is or at least not how i feel a redemption arc is supposed to be a redemption arc is supposed to be someone who realizes that they have done wrong and then do everything they can to do right and then become a better person. They don't shirk the responsibilities of the wrong that they've done. They still are punished for the wrong that they've done, but they also understand that that's what is necessary. That is their penance. In Naruto, everybody who 
the, in Naruto, you have characters who have murdered thousands of people. They have tried to genocide whole bloodlines. Um, they have intentionally tried to kill friends, family, like Sasuke. And then at the end of it, they go, I'm sorry, man. And everybody is just like, dude, it's cool. You're fine. Like I, I know I, I killed your whole. I know I killed your whole family. I tried to murder you a couple of times, um, but but I'm sorry about that. It's like, dude, you're fine. It's cool. It, it, you said you were sorry, so that means it's okay. And and don't worry about getting punished for it or anything. It's fine because you said you're sorry, and you're you're really sorry, right? Yeah, I'm really sorry until I do it again. <laughs> But Naruto is so great. Naruto is trash. <laughs> hmm. So this is so I understand why all these articles are like, yeah, it gives a person hope because they see these same pitfalls in themselves. But a redemption arc to me, like this, this is how I see a redemption arc. I think redemption arcs are good. Because we have to believe, I think giving people hope, because humans are very hope-based, but having that hope that even in our darkest times we can come out of it, that's fine. But that's not necessarily the same thing as a redemption. When things are going bad and you're in your darkest place, you being able to be pulled out of it is not necessarily a redemption. It just means you're in a bad place. It may have no, it, it doesn't mean that you went next door and massacred your neighbors. That's not the same thing as, well, I'm down on my luck. I might be homeless or, or I did a, or I made a really bad decision that screwed up the business. Right. And, oh, we got to pull ourselves out of this and, oh, things look so hopeless, but you pull yourself out of it. There's a distinct difference between that and, uh, doing a hostile takeover of a nation and ruling with an iron fist and then someone making you realize, oh, I've been an asshole this entire time. Hmm. Because mm -hmm. you know what you could do? You could just not be an asshole. <laughs> because a lot of the time, a, a lot of the time, they're doing things they know are wrong and making the decision to do them that are wrong. And that's why I think the best villain is a twisted mirror of the protagonist where it's not where the villain doesn't understand that what they're doing is wrong. Right. The protagonist can the protagonist can sympathize with the villain because the protagonist can see where they might have gone down this path as well. And the villain believes it's honestly the best way to do things. And they don't give up on that. A redemption arc is for that person who may have just grown up doing the wrong thing and then realizes they've been doing the wrong thing and stop. Or they make the, the one wrong decision that gets someone hurt or killed. It's not – a redemption arc isn't really meant for a mass murderer. And it – to me, it feels like redemption arcs are becoming synonymous with no matter how big of an asshole I am, no matter how many terrible acts I knowingly commit, there will always be people who will love me and want me to be around. Hmm. And my initial thought is, 
or you could just not be a dick. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like that. Why is that not a viable option? Don't be a dick. <laughs> well, I mean, it is Wheaton's law. <laughs> to be fair. Um, so hang on a second before we continue. I do believe, uh, Evan, my friend, is going to join us. Uh, I sent him the link, and I see him uh, seeing the link now. So, uh, but yeah. So, um, honestly, yeah, people could, uh, you know, follow Wheaton's law. But then, how does that give you good story? It's the story we must have. Well, you can have a good story without having a redemption arc. A redemption arc is an added thing. A redemption arc is not necessary for a good story. It never has been. It's just been becoming more popular. Hmm. Right. So we're still waiting. So when when you brought up redemption arcs, and immediately the first one I thought of was Darth Vader. Or Anakin. There. Hello, everybody. Welcome, Evan, to the episode. Hello. Hi, Evan. Hello, Evan. Hi, Evan. Nice meeting you. Nice to meet you, too. You look great. All right. <laughs> oh, you Thank you for noticing. <laughs> Basis for radio and podcasting. I just want you guys to know. <laughs> like, see, well, we got a good I... one in this one. I will actually take that as a compliment because I wholeheartedly agree with you. At least in my case. <laughs> so everybody, this is press official here. That's for sure. So, <laughs> so everybody, this is Evan. Um, we recorded a a bonus episode last night, uh, which ended up focusing a lot on Star Trek, which was fun. Um, right now, Evan. Oh, also, let me introduce Evan uh, Gerald, aka Sukanode, is my co-host. What's up? Uh, hello again. Um, Crit is Gerald's friend. He uh, he likes to come in and derail the the talk from time to time when he's not trying to chase his daughter around. <clears throat> I don't even. Oh, there he is. As long as he's not trying to Crit, chase anyone AKA. else's daughter around, I think that's good. Well, uh, no, did we bring that? Anyways, getting off topic, but uh, we are talking redemption arts. Um, essentially, in this case, Gerald is uh, very upset with Naruto in that people get to be dicks and then be like, oh, I'm sorry, I won't do it again until I do it again, and then rinse, repeat. And then literally rinse repeat. (laughs) (laughs) I have not watched Naruto, but I relate with that because being stuck with this uh, (laughs) self-quarantine situation, I watched the entirety of Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, and there's no way around it. Zoe is hands down one of the greatest villains in TV history. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Oh, I have not seen this. Yeah, yeah it's um, I watch it because I think everybody secretly loves elaborate dance numbers, and I am no different. And it's essentially <laughs> just an excuse to do like 
two or three elaborate dance numbers an episode. Because the whole premise of the show is that she sees people expressing their deep inner emotions through elaborate dance and song numbers that only she can see or hear. But she basically spends the whole series trying, essentially playing with and manipulating with the emotions of two guys, her best friend, and another dude who's engaged to another woman. And... She is, and because of her indecisiveness, she is just horrible. And the entire time, I'm just like, why don't you just go on a date with your best friend? Or I don't know, except that, you know, polyamory is a thing or something. So many ways to solve the problem. Meanwhile, put just below the surface, like practically in the back burner, is the fact that her father has a terminal illness and is dying, which they don't really fully acknowledge until the, like, the end of the show. <laughs> okay. okay. So- Based off that description, it sounds like TikTok the anime. Not too far off. It's not anime. It's a uh, it's an NBC hour long. I guess technically a drama since it's an hour long. Honestly, it feels like somebody watched uh, my crazy ex girlfriend and didn't quite understand why that show works. Mm-hmm. So it's TikTok the live action drama. Yeah. Which I still need to. I only watched the pilot of my of Crazy Ex Girlfriend, but that's a show that understands that its main character is terrible, and that the whole point is that that main character needs to learn that she's terrible and get over herself. This looks like a show that never, where the main character never figures that out. And the and the main reason I even watched it is just because it stars Jane Levy, who I loved in the Evil Dead remake. Speaking of really good redemption arcs, right there. Hmm. <laughs> And basically the argument I made, it it wasn't that I was mad at it. It was just that so many uh, in the Naruto community, so many people are in love with uh, Naruto that they will adamantly defend uh, a lot of their redemption arcs. And I was reading articles on redemption arcs and what they kind of mean to people. And a lot of a lot of the articles said the same thing. It, It gives people hope that. Even like the way they worded it is that it gives people hope even in their darkest times that they can come out of it. And I was like, well, there's a difference between being at your lowest low and then coming back from that and then going off and murdering your neighbor's entire family and then going, oh, I fucked up. I'm sorry. And then there are no repercussions <laughs> after that. And you just go off in your merry way and live your... Th- that's different. <laughs> you just pointed and, out the, uh-huh. biggest, the biggest problem with Magneto in the X-Men franchise. And I, it doesn't matter if it's the comics right? or the movies. <laughs> like, both versions, when you look at all the things he's done, he's absolutely horrible. And in both versions, it just feels like at some point he just shrugs his shoulders at the X-Men and went, my bad. And they're like, oh, we can't stay mad at you, you genocidal monster. Come here, give us a hug. And that's what I'm saying. (laughs) It's like, like, uh, well, yeah, I I genocided an entire race of people. Oops. (laughs) Sorry, guys. My bad. I now realize that that was wrong. You know, completely against all of the teachings that I was, you know, not understanding that murdering other people was I, I just thought that was what we did but you guys now you've told me that that's not how that works i understand and in all uh, the and then all the protagonists are like as long as you understand and you're sorry it's cool man 
<laughs> it's cool. Go go live your life and be be the great person you are. It's like, all right. And they're like, You're you sure you're really sorry, right? He's like, Oh yeah, I'm totally sorry. You know, until I do it again. For some odd reason, and I'm is, like, the, sorry. It's uh, I'm just making it, just point out more than anything. I'm a comic book guy, and you know, I'm enjoying this Marvel Agent movies. And one of the things I like most about Endgame, and it took a few months after the movie came out for me to realize this, is that Black Widow has one of the best low key redemption Nine arcs minutes. of any character in that whole franchise because we never find out exactly what the bad stuff she did is. We just know whatever it is, it's so bad. She never gets over the guilt of it. And by the end of it, she literally sacrifices herself to bring back half the universe. So, and I like, and I think that's, I bring that up because I think it shows an important aspect of a redemption arc. Your character needs to never really stop feeling genuine guilt for what they did. They need to be able to be like, I get that these people care about me and are accepting me right now, but that doesn't mean that I've basically made it all right by my own standards. Otherwise, you're just a total sociopath if you don't have that inner conflict. Right. And yeah, and that's actually probably the best way I've heard it put because I couldn't quite get the words out. But that's probably the best way I've heard it put. A person has to, for a redemption arc to work, the person has to understand that what they did was wrong. They never really get over the guilt of it, and they are always on their best behavior because that you can't really make up for trying to kill for honestly trying to kill your best friend multiple times because you knew that if you did, it would give you more power. Yeah, you there. There's right. no I'm sorry. Let bygones be bygones for that. Um, can I and. Can I? Uh, I just wonder if everyone else agrees with me, but I do actually think I know, at least from what I've seen, is the greatest redemption arc of all time, and it fits what you're talking about perfectly. And to me, that's the. Um, I can't remember the character's name because it's been a while since I sat down and watched the show all the way. Zuko, Zuko from Avatar: The Last Airbender. Uh, yes, it's yes, funny that. you say that because in almost every article I read, he was brought up as the primary example. Yeah, and it is a really good redemption arc. And he does never really get over the fucked up shit he did (laughs) and what it cost him and what he had to go through to be to get back to a good place. Yeah. Right. Oh, it's it's not just swept under the rug. That is the model. To me, that is the model any writer or creator of any medium should follow (laughs) if they want to do a proper redemption arc for a person who does really bad stuff. (laughs) Yeah. So mm-hmm. you know, Gerald Eden is also a fellow writer, but he's uh, he's got more in the game. I want to say uh, more what I missed that because like things got weird for a second there. Yeah. So I was saying that you're a fellow writer like Gerald and I are, but you have more skin in the game. Like you're actually working on things that get produced. I'm broken, remember? Yeah. Yeah. Eh, Sorry, okay. yeah. <laughs> yeah so and and gerald if you want i can add you to our writers uh sprint group mm-hmm. it probably it happens, would be a good uh, idea yeah <clears throat> five days a week you yeah, it ha- do nothing but write for an hour straight with no distractions okay and it's seven our time so it would be six your time Okay, I give. I start like an hour beforehand, 
giving warnings and prompts. So you'll know when it's popping up. Okay. Which I should have done for, for Evan uh, and inviting him in on this. Cause he was like, uh, give me an hour. I'm watching videos. And I was like, uh, we, we kind of have a timeline. Yeah. Like, Oh, well, you know, a little more warning would have been yeah. nice. My bad. Yeah. But at the same time, it's not like I'm doing something important. So, <laughs> hmm. so uh, before, uh, when we were waiting for you to join, I was bringing up the redemption arc of Anakin. Oh, that redemption arc is horrible. <laughs> <laughs> well, he didn't bring up the redemption arc of Anakin. He brought up the redemption arc of Darth Vader, which is actually I Darth Vader in the original movies was not a bad redemption arc because it was the one moment and he paid the ultimate price. And then then that's it. Like he made the one sacrifice to save his son. I think that was good. Well, um, I agree with you and disagree with you at the same time. Because like, if we pretend the prequels didn't happen, you're right. Because you get this, and I think we got to give proper credit to James Earl Jones with his voice work here. Because you do get the sense that this is a dude who's basically regretted all his horrible decisions at that point in his life too. And his son is just that last extra step he needed to realize that there's still at least hope to do something right towards the end if he can't make up for all the bad stuff he did. What ruins that arc is that no matter... We don't have a say. Those prequels are continuity, and that means this dude was never a decent human being to begin with, yeah. and never seemed to feel proper <laughs> like guilt for any of the stuff. Like, he was horrible before he yeah. went to the dark side. <laughs> right. Like I'll never... <laughs> the like, dark side was basically... Like the the dark side for him was just a change of clothes. Yeah, and even then, it wasn't that much of a change of clothes. He was wearing you're not wrong. he was wearing black when he was a Jedi. Mm. So, <laughs> yeah. Mm. yeah, yeah. That's why the the beauty of the and, Star Wars saga is that with it being in so many, like with each it being in installments and parts, you can actually sort of watch them in an order to make a better narrative, like. Quentin Tarantino style because if you watch them in chronological order or release order, it's kind of horrible. <laughs> it, it, yeah. That's, and you're talking about hatchet order. Yeah, no, right? no, not even hatchet order. I, <clears throat> I've came to a weird conclusion where um, probably the best way to watch all nine of the main movies is like separate them by trilogy and sort of watch them in order. Like watch episode one. Or to, I'll use proper titles because everyone's a Star Wars geek now. They don't want to talk about watch The Phantom Menace, then watch A New Hope, and then watch right. uh, Force Awakens. Then go back and watch Attack of the Clones, then Empire Strikes Back. Because when you get right down to it, that 30-year gap sort of creates wonderful questions from a narrative standpoint of like, if we started here, how did things get this bad in 30 years? And how are things still bad 30 years after that? And in that regard, it's like you're jumping back and forth in the timeline of this respective world. And it feels like a discovery journey of what's going on with this world, how it started so great and fell apart. Did not stay that way and all of that. And I kind of came up with, that way of doing things because words cannot express how much I hate and despise Rise of Skywalker and I want to find a way to watch it where I don't mm. <laughs> and the best way I could think of ooh, to do ooh. that is okay. to treat the whole movie like it's a third act of most movies like it is the climax of the movie since it's all action 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 with no breathing I don't think that'll necessarily mm. save it but I'm an optimist <laughs> okay so, so with you having said that 
Yes, uh, Kylo Ren's redemption arc is worse than Vader's, even when you include the prequels. <laughs> it's fucking well, no, 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 no. terrible. <laughs> it well, is yes, but, fucking terrible. But we are we are planning a bonus episode where everyone that we've had on the podcast, we're gonna all jump onto anchor and just take apart rise of Skywalker. so a therapy session for those of us who were touched in a bad place by the new star wars trilogy i i'm okay with this <laughs> so so show show me on the grand moff tarkin doll where the dark side touched you and we oh i don't have that. the doll but Not i do have the, the cgi side. figure <laughs> i do have the cgi figure voice from the guy from clone wars <laughs> Well, show us on that doll where the where the uh, dark side touched you, and we can go from there. That's a horrible uh, example. I, I like it when the dark and... side touches me. Well, <laughs> I mean, you know. Yeah, I do. Uh, but so so like <laughs> I, I, I when when Ryan Skywalker hit me plus. I, I watched it, and I had preconceived notions about how shitty this movie Let was. Let me guess. You went in with incredibly low expectations, only to realize in the end, they weren't low enough. Yes and no. <laughs> I think the... I have to yes say, the lower no. your expectations are going in, I think the better a watch it's going to be. I feel like right, I didn't have any expectations at all, and I went in watching, and I mentioned this on the last podcast when we talked about doing the collab, uh, getting everybody together to talk about it, and I was like, about 30 minutes into the movie, I was like, am I watching a Monty Python skit? Because this feels like Monty Python. Like, what the fuck? fuck is going on with this storyline you see me i go in and the only the only thing the only thing that would have made it better is if the stormtroopers were doing the ministry of silly walks dude the whole time they were killing stormtroopers i was like why are they picking on these puppies they are harmless (laughs) they never hurt Mm. anybody Mm. intentionally or otherwise like well there are so many scenes where well, oh, uh, since we are supposed to be talking about redemption arcs and we brought it up, I think we should talk about Kylo Ren. And I would honestly say the first step in that being a bad redemption arc is that that was an entirely different character from what we saw in the previous two Star Wars movies. Which is made even weirder because yeah. Abrams did the first one. But like that's a drastically different character from even the first Abrams movie. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he he's still okay. So we might do a little bit of spoiling here, just because I everybody's seen it. Was he still alive? Was he still alive? Because I remember Ray shoving his lightsaber into his chest. Yeah, and that's halfway through, and then dad. she heals him, and then she sees the dad for no real reason. That kind of explains what happened. Um. Because there's a lot of stuff in that movie. The only way things make sense is if you've got a lot of like hardcore lore knowledge and lore that doesn't even count anymore. <laughs> and not even counting the fact that you had to be playing Fortnite at just the right time to know what that signal they're talking about was. And um, But he mm-hmm. does... She does get into that fight with him. Love you too, and she does stab him. And then she heals him. 
so that later on he could do the same thing stupidly later to her at the end, which felt a lot like... I think we can all agree that almost every flaw in Rise of Skywalker came from a combination of Abrams' complete and total inability to end anything and the studio's need to make all the fans happy, which is a fantastic way to make sure you make no one happy. So there's a lot of people that really wanted mm. Ray and uh, Ben to get together, even though any, <laughs> any human being <laughs> with intelligence and any form of emotional any, maturity any or growth knows why that's a horrible, no, no, horrible any... idea. Any decent human being knows that's a horrible idea. Any decent human being yeah. is like, no, that should not work yeah. like that. I have a, I have a friend. I've known her since high school. <laughs> she is all about that relationship. And I, every time it pops up in even the slightest way, or, I be, or even if it's just like randomly pops up on my timeline that she put up a post about it, I have to fight off the need to be like, you know, this explains why you never had a decent boyfriend, right? Yeah, I even Mm. said Kylo Ren. Mm. They just turned him into every teenage fangirl's uh bad boy fantasy. Yeah, that's all he is. See, this is he's a bad boy (laughs) fantasy character, and I know this is going to lead to all sorts of comments. But I'm one of those people who actually loves. The Last Jedi, I actually think that's the second best Star Wars movie, in my opinion. And I think one of the things Rian Johnson was smart about was that he looked at Kylo Ren and be like, let's not even pretend this dude's redeemable. He's not. (laughs) (laughs) And what I enjoyed most Um, about how that movie ended from the Kylo Ren perspective was that this was a guy who was clearly going to lose in the end. But I was curious to see what kind of damage he was going to cause before he did. Um, so yeah. Evan, go ahead and bring up that Facebook post that you had put up, and I made the I made a I think a paragraph I don't even comment remember. on it. About, <laughs> I put up so many posts on. So Facebook. it's it's the go ahead. It, it's the it's the last Jedi when Luke uses the Force in. You said he uses the force in the most. Oh, I didn't know you put uh, a. I didn't see any response way. to that. But yeah, that's that really awesome. To me, one of the best moments in the entire franchise. It's um, just pointing out how he, in my opinion, the most badass use of the force, which is the climax of Last Jedi, where he basically stops an entire army by thinking about it in a completely different planet. I think even a completely di- no. Not a completely different galaxy, but a completely different planet far, far away by coming up with the most pacifist way to end the to solve the to, to solve the problem. And it's a wonderful um, summary of that moment, far more well worded than what I did. I didn't I don't remember you having a response to that. You'll have to tell me what it was. So what I had said was uh, Luke essentially force projected himself. So he was a force hologram on this this world, which was essentially Hoth, but it wasn't Hoth. No, it's not Hoth because it wasn't cold. That was just salt, not snow. I I know, which is why I said it was Hoth, but it wasn't. It, It had the... It, it had the the white, you know, background. See, being born in Alaska, I it takes a lot more than a white background for you to make me say this is the same as an Arctic planet. And and you're not wrong. Yeah. I'm I'm just drawing, I guess, a shitty illusion. Because uh, what I was going to say is with with your with your method of watching the three trilogies, um, it's essentially 
watching three different versions of, of the same three movies. Um, I know a lot of people say that, but I don't entirely agree, mainly because it's mainly the prequels that derail that one-on-one comparison, I think. Because, well, how can I put this? Uh, by that point, George Lucas was such an incompetent storyteller with nobody her, uh, correcting him or telling him no, just, that he doesn't understand basic structure anymore. <laughs> and that kind of like ruins that comparison. I definitely yeah. think the original trilogy and the new trilogy, that comparison works better, though more by accident than design. Um, and I really... Uh, I, I think that's a big, big part of why I prefer Star Trek to Star Wars, too. Because with Star Trek, no matter how much they go mm. back to the same old tropes, it always feels like they're trying to do something new. Like, I pointed out Voyager is, like, I can't stand Voyager. I absolutely despise that show. But at least when I look at that, I can say that Star Trek, and it doesn't look like any other Star Trek, <clears throat> even though it kept trying to fall on the Star Trek cliches more than others. And with Star Wars, I can't say that. Like, I can't look at The Force Awakens and be like, this is nothing like A New Hope. Because, yeah, it is. It's a lot like A New Hope. <laughs> it, yeah, and, and that, that's, that's okay. So let me, let me retract and say the order that you're saying is watching three different series, but it's actually each one is two different movies. So the the prequel the prequel trilogy is definitely different, but the original and the new are essentially rehashes. Yes and no. I think the Last Jedi is the only one that's not a rehash of anything because I think Rian Johnson looked at it, and I know everybody like the common narrative who goes with is oh he's just subverting expectation for the sake of subverting expectation. But honestly, I look at all the decisions he made, and I thought he saw where the franchise, based on what was set up, was going to be stagnated and purposely tried to sabotage all the things that were keeping it from moving on <laughs> so that something creative could come out of it. This is why I get annoyed with a lot of the discourse with The Last Jedi, not because I think everybody should love the movie, but because if you are a creative person, even if you absolutely despise that movie – you should be able to see all the potential for all the new things you could do with that universe now, with that setup, that they completely and totally ignored, undermined, or even tried to undo in the next movie. <laughs> Thoughts on that, Gerald? That is part of the frustration because you see the – and that's always been my frustration with stories like this because you see the potential and you see that either someone just didn't care or that they just put it together as either someone just didn't care or someone incompetent was in charge of it because there's so much like he like he's right there's so much potential there it sucks to watch it all be basically just kicked to the wayside um hmm. like cuz he's uh, not wrong so the last jedi open be, the whole ray isn't anyone special is actually a really good thing because you can get rid of the stupid metachlorian thing, right? And then anyone can mm. be a Jedi. That opens the field for so many more stories. And also like, uh, going with that Ray thing, the thing I love the most about it is it allows that character to create their own legacy. They're not on the back of someone else's legacy. We're not supposed to care about them because they're connected to another previous character. It's actually letting this generation have its own hero. And for it to be a woman... Is kind of an excellent thing for I think this generation of sci-fi fans. 
Ray shouldn't need to be yeah. another Skywalker or a Palpatine or a Kenobi to be able to be a fantastic character. She winds Spoiler up being alert. two out of three of those. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, yeah. And, and and that's where the lost potential is because they still made her connected to someone instead of just making her connected to no yeah. one. Uh, making her a Mary Sue was a mistake. They shouldn't. She should have had a much harder time with everything. This honestly should have been a longer series. Yeah. This should have. There should have been like three, four more movies to this yeah. of her training and becoming a Jedi. I agree. And her being trained by Luke would have been fine. Yeah, I think this um this trilogy yeah. should have been sort of like a bridge trilogy, saying this is the end of the generate of the previous generation and the start of the next one. And I would say with the Mary Sue thing, I'd say with the first two parts with Ray, they were very much sort of like barely balancing on that line. It could go either way until Rise of Skywalker said, no, she's a Mary Sue. She could do all the freaking mm. stuff. Yet for some weird reason, despite being one of the most powerful force users, it looks like we've ever seen in the whole franchise, she still can she can't block okay, force lightning like Yoda could. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Right, she me, is the. Stop, stop everybody there because uh, we're into talking about episode nine and away from true. redemption arcs. Unless one of you wants to. Uh, I, I feel like this is an extension of, of the redemption arc as well, but I, you're not necessarily wrong. Yeah, yeah, we are starting to derail. So I, yeah. I'd say. So I, I think what we should do is focus on, say, Kylo Ren as an excellent example of possibly the worst redemption arc ever and how to do it wrong. Uh, Zuko as an example oh. of the best redemption arc and how to do it right. And we just need something where in the middle that can represent a sort of an average for uh, rep for that kind of arc. I don't know what that middle is. Yeah. But... All right. So everybody, <laughs> yeah. Everybody <laughs> Let's think what's a, what's a or so, so better yet somebody who could have had a redemption arc and it and but they didn't go that route and how it made that story either better or worse like i think going back to kylo ren i think the whole trilogy would have been much better if they never bothered with a redemption arc for him yeah just let him be a sith yeah just let him be the horrible horrible person he always was <laughs> Okay, granted, he wasn't before Luke screwed up, but still. <laughs> when we see adult Kylo Ren, he is horrible until the movie suddenly decides he's not. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, he's horrible from yeah. the... He's literally horrible from the moment Luke made his mistake. Yeah. Right? He was, what, 10, 8 years old at the time? And he chose in that yeah, moment he was to, a teenager. Oh, was he a teenager? Yeah, it's kind of. Oh, I thought he was much younger, yeah. but. Well, either way, okay. the fact that this guy never bothered to like re-examine that moment and determine if maybe there was more to it, another story, <laughs> you know, that there was, or even confront Luke about it. Yeah, and I think it's, and I think that's part of why yeah. it would have been good to not get to even bother trying to go with the redemption arc, because I think at that point he was scared. Um, of like looking back and realizing that maybe he has been making wrong decisions this whole time and the damage he causes as a result. But somebody at some point decided we needed to like that guy. So, and I think they completely missed that. The idea was, hmm. I don't think it was that the fans necessarily liked Kylo Ren. They liked Adam driver because Adam driver is awesome. 
yeah. and he's a Marine to boot. That's that's why he was so swole in that one scene hmm. that everybody never stopped talking about from uh, Last Jedi. <laughs> but also, uh, Crit said Ura because uh, he's also a Marine. I am not, but my father was. <laughs> well, we can't all be perfect. Well, we can't all be crayon eaters either. So, shots fired. <laughs> Not my fault. The damn things are delicious. <laughs> so, so, Crit, what is your favorite flavor of crayon? If you say red, I'm gonna punch you. I mean, wait a minute. You wait eat them one at a time. Is that why all the Marines I meet have such colorful <laughs> language? Yes. We turn that shit into an art form, man. <laughs> yeah, he's not wrong. Well, uh, yes. Uh, uh, well, shit. You know. It, so I, so I kind of think we need to explain the uh, Zuko arc real quick because, let's be honest, everybody's seen Star yes. Wars, but I think only half of the world has actually watched Avatar: The Last Airbender, and sadly, probably more than half watched the first movie yeah. instead. That is a total and absolute abomination, oh, and all copies need to be buried in the oh, New Mexico desert um, and then bombed with a freaking hydrogen bomb. <laughs> well, no, they all need to be burned so, in the world's largest trash fire. Yeah. I want them so, thrown in okay, the sun. So let me... Let me, <laughs> let, let me add to that. Um, all copies of The Last Airbender, including the digital shit that's now oh, on God. Netflix. Well, I considering mean, the I, movies, it makes I, sense they go with that I level of shit. I did not pay to watch The Last Airbender. I pirated it. it and uh, it immediately left such a Look, bad Look, unless somebody in my mouth paid you the I budget of the movie, movie to watch it, you overpaid. Well, I mean, I, I literally spent yeah. nothing but. But, like, uh, for a quick summary of the Zuko arc for Avatar Last Airbender, the actual cartoon show that is brilliant. Not the crappy movie by M. Night Shyamalama Ding Dong. Um, it's Zuko is a character. He is the prince of the Fire Nation. Uh, we find out that basically the guy in charge of the Fire Nation is basically the big bad. But he just really, really wants to prove to his father that he's not a disgrace, basically. And so he tries to capture the, the um, mm-hmm. our main character, Aang, who is the last airbender of the Avatar of the title. Uh, we do get a point where he starts to realize how bad just, like, the whole Fire Nation is. And he becomes a fugitive in the second season of the three-season show. And it looks... And he starts to show signs of... He's learning to appreciate just regular life and being a decent human being. And then brings it all crashing down in the last episode when at the last minute he turns on all the heroes... And causes per, uh, nearly permanent damage to Aang and nearly gets him captured. And this is like one of the best or wor- I mean, one of the best heel turns and by far worst like betrayals of any character I've seen in all of fiction. And it leads him to this point where he's very quickly realizes what he did was wrong. So in the third season, he spends half of the third season realizing it's wrong, we, no, really feeling. Yeah, dealing with the fact that he's being rewarded for horribleness, but that deep down inside, it's not wrong. One of the people he betrayed, by the way, is 
is Uncle Iroh, who is purity in the form of an old man. Like, he is, he is oh, if you don't like Iroh, you're a horrible human being and need to go. <laughs> yeah, Iroh's yeah. great. Yeah, like, there's... And Iroh kind of, if you, when you think about it, Iroh kind of went through the same thing. Because Iroh was the greatest general of the Fire Nation to have ever like he was the greatest general of the fire nation as almost in history yeah. everyone loved iroh and he was on the forefront of invading the earth Kingdom. well they make it and it wasn't until his yeah, he, they make it pretty clear i think that iroh and the uh, the fire lord were a great representation of the two directions that zuko could have gone in because i get this feeling even though they never say what their whole stories are that both of them were like these probably war criminals back in the day when you get right down to it. But Iroh was wise enough to realize the horror of what he was doing and how it was just creating this incredibly toxic cycle, whereas Fire Lord just embraced it. And he's just this incredibly horrible, selfish guy who's constantly seeking more power just for the sake of having more power and doesn't, ki- and doesn't care about who he destroys or kills to get it, whereas Iroh realizes uh, to take away from... Um, Oh, there's a good example we should bring up for redemption arcs. Um, but taken away from uh, Black Panther, you know, that speech in the mid-credit sequence about the importance of building bridges versus walls. And Iroh is that let's build bridges embodiment, like philosophy embodied perfectly in his character. Okay, so Gerald, you were going to say something. I heard you sigh frustratedly. Oh, so I don't think I sighed frustratedly, but what it was... Um, with Iroh, it, the, the reason I say Iroh was almost a mirror image of Zuko is because Iroh was all for the Fire, Fire Nation supremacy until his invasion of uh, the Earth Kingdom and his yeah. son died. Boston yeah, State. and his son died. When his son died, yeah. he took himself off the battlefield and he reassessed what was really going on. That was his turn. His son's death is what right. put him on the the different path. Is what put him on a different path. Yeah. And so he stuck with Zuko right. because he saw Zuko going through. Basically, he saw Zuko as what he was before that turn, and he didn't want Zuko to make this because he looked back on everything he'd done, and he was like, "I don't want Zuko to also go through that." So that's right. why uh, exactly. Iroh yes. was such a pillar in Zuko's life. And Zuko loved him. But the thing with Zuko is it wasn't so much that it wasn't just his father's – he wasn't just – he was after Aang because basically he was exiled from the Fire Nation unless he could bring back the uh, Avatar. And – the, and the thing is, his father gave him that mission because the Avatar had been missing for hundreds, like hundreds of years. Th- there was no intention of Zuko ever actually being able to find him. Like it was, and let's not forget that. Let's not forget Ozai gave him the scar. And, on yeah, the side and of Ozai face. is the one who gave him that scar. So for Zuko. The reason he made a decision, and, and that's why that heel turn that nearly gets Aang killed is so good. Because Zuko had 
he he had, at that point he had gotten two choices. He had spent all this time chasing the Avatar to get back his honor and regain his place next to his father and possibly gain his father's acknowledgement and love. And then he had his inner conflict of where he knew what he was doing was wrong because his uncle was always giving him wisdom, was always like, Zuko, you don't have to be what your father wants you, what you think your father would want. You can just be you. And he gets to right. a point where his sister, Azula, who is a master manipulator, level 15 master manipulator right there. We, we like know one of those, of don't we, David? We know one of those. <laughs> um, but uh, Azula knew exactly what buttons to push in Zuko to get him to really look at his two plans. He, he could either continue with the rebellion and helping Aang in them and most likely fail because, well, Azula was there and she has proven she could kick the crap out of that entire group by herself, no problem. Or he could side with her. He could regain his place next to his father. His long years of exile would be over. His father would finally acknowledge him. His father might actually finally love him. Everything he had been from this point up to that decision, it was everything he had ever wanted. It the only reason what it really points out is the only reason at that point in time Zuko decided to go over the team Ang was because he was sure he would never get those things. But once they were offered to him, then he's like my decision is to take the thing that I always wanted, that deep down, that's what I always yearn for. And that is something you can very much relate to. It was what he had wanted from the moment we ever met Zuko, Zuko's character. So you can sympathize why he would make that decision. And that's why that is such a great moment. And then after he makes that decision, he realizes that it literally was not what he thought it was going to be. You, it, it is the textbook example of I wanted it until I got it. I briefly mentioned the movie earlier, and I think it's our excellent example for another redemption arc. And it's not, I think, what people think of it first. But and this does sort of lead into that uh, in a way, which is Black Panther. And in my mind, the redemption arc Black Panther is not what I think most people say, Killmonger, because let's be honest, that guy's irredeemable from beginning to end. He's got a good point. Yeah. But he... It, yeah, Kill, Kill we'll have to game. we'll have to talk about the Black Panther movie and why that movie isn't as good as everybody hyped. Oh, up you're right. I remember um, me yes, and is. my friend Nick. <laughs> yeah, me right. and my. Oh, <laughs> I'm not so sure because I went to see it with me and uh, me and my friend Nick went to see it when it released in theaters like day one, and I watched that movie and I was like, "This is not a bad movie," but I don't think it's as good as everyone thinks it is. And, and one of the re and this that's is all just the conversation. I would argue it is, but. To go back to what I was saying earlier about where the redemption arc right. actually is, it's with the Black Panther himself. Mm -hmm. Because the Black Panther at the start of it, and I mean both like the character of T'Challa, but also what he was and represented at the start, is basically this horrible xenophobic isolationist. And in a similar fashion to Avatar The Last Airbender, because like the moment where Zuko finally takes that major step towards redemption in the third season is when he finds out what Ozai's ultimate plans are. And to that extent, you're seeing the 
the end point, the end game to that path, and that's what makes him go, no, this is not what the hell I want, and to turn around and start going down the right path. It's similar, too, with Black Panther in that Killmonger represents the end game for that isolationist, that xenophobic path that Wakanda was going down until Killmonger finally forced him to bring it to a head. And also forced him to look how their way of life had already sort of like internalized the exact kind of things that would take him in that direction. And I think there is a major redemption for T'Challa that at the start of it, he's like, no, we, we keep those problems out there. We just protect our own little area. Screw them. We're only worried about our stuff. We only venture out there when it affects us. Before he finally realized that even that hmm. policy was actually making the world out there worse. And at the same time, how they make it worse comes back on them at some point in time. And really, when you get right down to it, that movie is about how they lucked out. That somebody tried way too hard and way too fast when there was still that element of resistance within Wakanda. And that it happened at just the right generation where they would actually consider more of a correct path to extending beyond the world. That they're able to stop Killmonger from what he was trying to do. And also listen to what he was saying enough to realize that they needed to make that kind of a change. Okay, so you're giving too much away from the new card that I put in Trello to talk about that to talk about Black Panther. So let's really because like it made uh, over a billion dollars. I thought everyone saw it by now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no 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 no! I'm saying I'm saying Ah. for content wise, stop. And I would, and um, being, and I'm, I'm going to say it this way, being the white guy here, the other white guy in the conversation, Black Panther was released during yeah. Black History Month. That was just good marketing, though I think it would have made that billion dollars no matter when they released it. <laughs> you are not incorrect, but I think, I think that, that because I because when Black Panther was released that February, Facebook and Twitter exploded about it because it's you know it was Black Panther and oh it's Black History Month and and this and that and the other thing and you know and it and I've seen the movie I I like the movie it's a good movie. But I also well, in this case, what I'm just talking about is the redemption arc for the main character. This idea that you have to go from what is ultimately a destructive isolationist and, let's be honest, they were, like I said several times, xenophobic uh, way of doing things in life and how it's better to create your friends and create your allies and, and to create a positive influence on the world around you versus the isolationist policy. Because for those who don't know, the character arc for T'Challa is that he starts off saying we should only be worrying about our people and us. And by the end of the movie, he realizes that everyone is our people. And we, if we have a way of making the world a better place, then we should mm. actively be trying to do that. And I think right. that's interesting and, um, because it's a, we're used to redemption arcs being to villains. I mean, going back to Zuko, Zuko does start the whole series as a villain. But ultimately, <coughs> and, but this is one... Yeah, I have no idea what happened there. Bye, Crit. <laughs> Sorry. 
Yeah. But, um, no, he, he left. but it's interesting that here is a movie that when you think about it, the redemption arc is for the hero. And it's not even necessarily that the hero was like a bad person or doing bad things, but they were, but it was them eventually realizing that they were adhering to essentially a bad philosophy and equally bad practices that came from it. And I think, go ahead. So uh, I just added another card because um, you, you talking about the specific parts of Black Panther, and it makes me also think back to uh, Thor Ragnarok. Um, and I'll, I'll go well, ahead. Well, if we're going to talk about that, now. I think we have to bring um, up an interesting question. Does Odin ever really truly get redemption? Well, uh, this this is a uh, totally off topic because this is gonna. I'm I'm putting this as a card in our Trello for another oh, okay. segment for us to talk about. And and uh, brace yourself because this could be triggering. Marvel and the SJW. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just always laughing people say that because I think people think that's like some kind of calculated thing. And elements of it are, but it's really not. <laughs> eh, I was more afraid that it actually... Well, I was we more could... afraid that it wasn't calculated. <laughs> I don't think it is. Because, like, I've been, like, keeping track of everything that's been going on behind the scenes of Marvel since before Iron Man came out. Like, I knew about the Avengers movie about a year or two before the first Iron Man movie came out. That's how hard I've been keeping track of it the whole time. And really... First of all, everything they're doing, or more specifically, Kevin Feige is doing, because most people still don't seem to realize this, Kevin Feige only has one boss, and that boss has basically been like, as long as you're making us money, you can do whatever the hell you want. We're just going to give more money to you so you can yeah. do it. And um, Kevin Feige, I think, is just a huge fan of the comics and really wants to see mm. those elements from the comics, and those comics are still going – and he's loving elements from those comics and bringing them in. And everybody likes to think that because of all these things were happening and within a very short span of time, that this was like some kind of calculated effort by either the big money machine of Disney or the big money machine of Marvel. And really the calculation is in them taking advantage of happenstance more than anything. And so with something like Black Panther, first of all, that Black Panther movie, most people don't know this, but that's been on the back burner since the 80s. And believe me when I tell you, you did not want that movie made yeah. any sooner. Every like every single, I'm not kidding. Um, <laughs> Don McGregor, who up until the mid up until the late '90s, when Christopher Priest got the Black Panther book, was considered like the definitive Black Panther author because that was not a very long list to get on. Um, so he because Black Panther got a resurgence of popularity in the '80s from his run. He's been involved ever since in at least some small way. Uh, or at least a witness at worst to every negotiation, every proposal and all that. He said each and every single one of them were universally bad. I think he said the one redeeming quality is that they never, I think, really entertained the idea of making Black Panther white. But like everything else you could do wrong with that concept, they they pitched at some point in time. And it just... Uh, let me Let me stop you there just for a second. Let, let us create a pocket in the multiverse where Michael Sarah is T'Challa. 
and I Ooh. just want to chuckle silently. I wouldn't mind Michael Cera as the White Wolf. That would have been interesting. But you need to really know your Black Panther comic book lore to understand the significance of that. <laughs> right. So, um, Gerald, thoughts? Ugh, sorry, brain. <laughs> yeah, you could not have come up with the worst idea. Now, <laughs> yeah, so... Are, are we talking about thoughts on the Black Panther, or are we talking about just thoughts on redemption arcs as a whole? No, we're 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 still talking about redemption arcs because that's the subject of this now. Okay. Hour long um, I, I'm just trying to understand I never where Michael thought... Sarah's Black Panther comes into it. Then. <laughs> <laughs> well, you uh, a white Black Panther, so that's where I was like, ooh. Let me let me take that that Facebook thing that I'd seen where uh, somebody wants to make a white character black, and and say, hey, well, I want to see a film where Michael Sarah the problem is, is Shaft. The problem with the idea of so Michael Sarah being that. Black Panther is that you're not doing Black Panther then. In much in the same way that the World War Z movie has involved the book only by name, like the entire concept has changed now. Like Black Panther yeah. does now—that's the character where changing his race means it no longer works. And I yeah. feel like that's a big part of that. What if we made a black character made a white thing? Is first of all, there are tons of movies and TV shows where a black character is turned white, and you'd be surprised how many of those. Most of them, even I'm just like, okay, because they're characters where their their race is more incidental than anything. If anything. In a couple of cases, like changing them from black to white, even may make one or two characters more interesting, much in the same way that a lot of characters who were white in their source material and then made black or Asian or some another, I can find an interesting thing there from that change. But it, it's one, it's nowhere near as much of a trend as people think it is. It hasn't been increased or decreased any more than it has. That's kind of been a thing for like at least the last 30 years, give or take, where it's the idea isn't, if it's not inherent to the character or concept, then you just go with the best actor. Maybe the best actor looks like the looks like they do in the source material. Maybe not, but it's like um, I think a good example of one of those changes that most people is low key is a yeah. zombie movie called The Girl with All the Gifts. That main character in the book that movie is based on is white, but they cast a black girl because out of all the girls who auditioned, she was the one who gave the best performance. And and I can understand that now, <clears throat> and we're getting <laughs> off topic again. But I just I just want to make this I want to make this point. And uh, Gerald, you remember Grover from the Percy yeah. Jackson books? I need you to remind me which what the character did because it's been a while since I read yeah, Percy but, Jackson. He was a sa he was the satyr best friend uh, who was on the lookout for uh, Grover. Oh yeah, the yeah, one they ruined in the movie. Yeah. Yeah, he was he was kind yeah. of Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was the stone. But then in in now I will I will totally 100% say they so fucked they the fuck first movie, movie up. <laughs> second so movie. The fuck-ups in the second movie were due to the foundation yeah. set up in the first movie, so I can give you that. Also, I'm not going to lie, I didn't see the second movie because that first movie made me so fucking yeah. mad there was no way I was going back. <clears throat> Understandable. <laughs> well, if you, and that's understandable. And uh, just because 
I like the Percy Jackson series. I went ahead and watched the second movie. Nathan Fillion? And my man crushes The only it. reason I considered watching yeah. that second one. Yes, and he makes... <laughs> and yeah, he I makes know, I saw Firefly it. YouTube's a beautiful in the thing. Movie. <laughs> it... it it actually followed the book better than. See, Lightning I always did. with Lightning Thief. Whenever anybody asked me why I didn't like the movie, I said they're like, "Oh, is, you're just upset." If they make the mistake of trying to say so, they're like, "Oh, you're just not like the book." And I'm like, "No, you don't understand. They didn't adapt the book. They tried to adapt all of the cliches of '90s kids movies to the book, and then made a movie out of that." That's how I always just yeah. That's how I always described it, and mm. like just well, the casting you know. alone indicates they screwed up. Because I understand the need to use older actors to play characters and are younger in the source material for many many reasons, but this is one where literally the character's age is tied in directly to the series' long plot, so that really doesn't work uh, for starters. I mean, there's right. that. That's it, it, if we started going into. If we started do, if you did it, the subject of this episode was the worst adaptations. I would go three hours on Percy Jackson alone, and then somebody will mention World War Z, and that's another twelve hours taken out of the day. So, <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of redemption arcs, though, uh, well, I remember well, I can't remember the character's name, but the well, the guy hmm. who turns out to be the villain of the Lightning Thief has easily one of the best redemption arcs if you've actually read the original books. He's not Hades' son, uh, no. He's um, Zeus's son, if I remember correctly. It's the guy who steals the lightning in The Lightning Thief. I want to say his name is Luke or something like that. See. Yeah. Oh, Lucas. Because that... I I was pretty sure the name was Luke. Luke Luke. might be be short for Lucas. All right. Yeah. And he's, uh, yeah, because Percy is Poseidon's son. Luke is, and doesn't Luke have the, uh, the blade from. I thought Percy had that. Uh, Which one is Carter's? the pen? <laughs> or no. That, okay. No, that's, that's Anoclus most. That, yeah, that's, that's the, that's the okay, gift yeah. that Percy's dad gave him. But there's a no. It was the it was a Stygian blade, and the <clears throat> I think it was the Hades' son had the Stygian blade, and he becomes an enemy uh, later in the books. And the Stygian it's blade. About Nico. Is Nico like, never uh, becomes a villain. Has extra um. Well, someone has a Stygian blade. Uh, Nico and is a, to be a perfect example of chaotic good. It's been so. Long. <laughs> I know. I will. I know everything. Is, Nico is my favorite character, hands down. He was the Batman of that of that whole run. So I know he never became the villain. There were a couple of times where people were worried about which side he would take, but that was only because he was doing his own thing in the background that ultimately was helping out the heroes instead of just being a team player. Right, so let's get back on track. <laughs> I don't even know. We need a redemption arc for our redemption so, arc podcast. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think I derailed us slightly because yes, we yes, started talking about Black yes. Panther for a bit when I yes. mentioned how that has a hero's redemption arc in it. 
Mm-hmm. Right. So, so Gerald, give us a redemption arc for our redemption arc. Well, we set. gave some good examples. Are we looking for? We gave an example of a bad one. I gave. I gave an example of a bad one. Evan gave an example of a bad one. We both gave an example of good ones. Um, or well, we agreed on a, on the best example of a really good one, of or what the mark should be, what the yeah. bar should be. Um, what else are you looking for? Yeah, Zuko. Yes. Uh, just okay. So. I guess the redemption arc to the redemption arc segment would okay. be final so, thoughts. So final thoughts would be I don't think a redemption arc should be no matter how shitty a person I am people will still want people will still love me. <laughs> I don't think that's what a redemption arc is for. Because you could just <laughs> choose not to be an asshole. Right? I believe a redemption arc is supposed to lost. show how a person can get to becoming is supposed to show how a person can make bad decisions and that what really is going on it's a good person being put into a bad situation and making bad decisions through lack of information emotional conflict but in the end they are a good person and they're able to realize that and come back from it and because one of the things with Zuko is he even says it when they're on the beach. He got to a point where he was starting to question whether he even understood the difference between what was right and what was wrong. A lot of these bad redemption arcs, the person being mm. redeemed understands the difference between right and wrong. They're just doing the wrong thing, even when they don't have to. And then... It's just everyone else just forgiving right. them for being an asshole just cuz. And I would say the biggest flaw in those really bad redemption arcs is uh, especially the writers and creators keep forgetting that the internal conflict is important. It's not just enough that the characters we like are suddenly okay with them. Like I made a joke earlier about how Magneto's redemption arc is so bad because he does horrible genocidal things and everyone's okay with it, but the reason why X- X-Men fans for so long, at least for the comics, were able to accept it is because we actually, you actually can, you understand the history behind that, you understand the motivation of the main character and why that may be warped, and that main character does ultimately have this constant internal conflict, even before, even in between the moments where the X-Men are like inviting him back into the fold, and that's why, even though when you just look at the broad scheme of things, you'd be like, no, this guy should be irredeemable. We're still okay with it as an audience because we understand the place it's coming from. And it should be, it's the ultimate example of the road to hell being paved with good intentions and the work someone's going to put into Mm. to at least create a path to heaven. I think the most important thing for a redemption arc is the character needs to learn to get over themselves, basically. Mm Mm-hmm. And in my opinion, I think a lot of the best redemption arcs are the ones where the person's necessarily trying to save themselves. It's where they're trying to save someone else from making their mistakes. Yeah. And uh, I would bring back up. Uh, I was just thinking that. That's why original trilogy, it works. And then that arc is destroyed when you have the prequels, because if you stick with just the original trilogy, you realize it is him sacrificing himself, not because he thinks that sacrifice makes what he does better. 
but because it's his way of making sure his son doesn't go down the same path. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, and that and that was originally going to be my intention when uh, right before you joined in, I brought up Darth Vader as a uh, as a redemption arc. Because, I mean, and and you also say astutely that um, the original trilogy doesn't bring up all the bad. Yeah, because then it didn't exist. Anakin did. <laughs> and like, even then, it may have been better right, than what he got. In the you know, movies, kill, kill. And the most frustrating thing is the fact that he fought in the Clone Wars. Kind of like because that, that, that's all we know. Because we all know that if you're fighting in a war, no matter how righteous a person you are, you're going to do some pretty bad stuff. (laughs) But nope. (laughs) Nope, they decide before a war even starts, he's got to kill women and children. And an entire village, (laughs) single-handedly. Yeah, that's that's the problem with his redemption arc, ultimately, is at some point you have to ask yourself, in order for somebody to be redeemed, they have to start from a point of potential good. When was this guy ever good? (laughs) Yeah. It's like he never and even needed to be every, seduced into hmm. the dark side. I just need to be told it existed. Right. <laughs> and they actually, at some point, have to make a good choice as well. Yeah. They can't just – you can't just have a character be, well, I'm conflicted, but I'm going to do the bad thing for now. This incidentally no, you, enough – you have to <laughs> – yeah. This incidentally enough is why most good. romantic comedies, in my opinion, fail – because it's always about two horrible people with neither one of them really get, having a redemption for that very same, yeah. for exactly the reason you're talking about. Mm. Well, when you say that, I immediately think of the breakup. That's a good Vaughn romantic comedy. And like, <laughs> te- te- well, uh, well, in my sense, I, I think of characters that they've played and it's like it's like the it's like the two assholes. You know, they break up, but they still live in the same place, and they're just yeah. And it's them ultimately realizing they're bad for each other, and that's why they needed to not just break up, but be separated. That's why it's a good one. I, I think of a good one like going back to the redemption arc. An excellent example: Billy Crystal in When Harry Met Sally, because. Oh God, Jesus! That that entire—it was the entire the entire fucking entirety of when Harry met Sally was just yeah. But that's just it. When we first meet Billy Crystal, he is the biggest asshole. He's just this misogynistic prick, and we see how over the course of I think it was a decade, give or take, that that movie spans out of how he has to gradually grow to be a better person, and so does Something Meg Ryan, like too. I mean, well, let's be honest. She wasn't exactly the best when we first met her, either. Mm-hmm. But... Mm. So, um, the, 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 the best scene ever... Yeah. In, so, the, the, the final thought comedy. here is, if you're going to make a good had. romantic comedy, you need to understand the redemption arc, and how and why it works. <laughs> and you need to not have people just you and yeah, also what a lot of romances do is they will have they will have uh 
if the guy they'll have the woman do the exact same thing the guy does, but the woman never gets called on it. It just the dude does. Oh, I've seen and it. They'll on both literally sides. mimic. Yeah, they'll they'll literally mimic mm-hmm. what the other one does, and neither will, and, and they'll just let it go, <laughs> and no one will call them on it. It, it. it just becomes not a part of the conversation, and it's like what? That's why most romance movies suck. I don't care if you're a man or a woman. If you're sexist against either gender. Which movie is actually going to enhance that belief is dependent on which one is being bad at that time. I've seen the one where it's like the woman's doing shitty stuff that the guy's doing and never gets called on it. I've seen ones where the guy's doing shitty stuff the woman's doing never get called on it. Most of them are both sides doing incredibly shitty things and never actually being called on it. (laughs) Oh, um, so Ugly Truth. Gerald, you introduced me to that movie, and that was. I as as Which rom-coms one? go, I loved that movie because uh, oh, Ger- but, uh, the ugly truth. Oh, that movie's horrible. With Gerard Butler. <laughs> I'm and, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, well, I'm like I had said in in the bonus episode yesterday. Um, I'm the kind of guy who just likes to watch movies, whether no, they're good that. or not. Just for like that I just watched twelve out. episodes of Zoe's extraordinary playlist, a show that desperately needs a redemption arc. And like I said, it, it's not really a good show. It's about a horrible, horrible person who destroys two men, <laughs> while not quite, but almost completely ignoring the fact that her father is dying. So. <laughs> But I watched it all the way through. And also, I think that's something mm. too many people yes. miss. Like, I'd say that's the difference between a creator and uh, just an idiot fanboy or fangirl is that we do watch the bad stuff because we know if we're going to be if we're going to have any talent mm. at creating this stuff, we need to understand the bad just as much as the good. And I think we all agree it is yeah. much better to make You're the worst wrong. thing ever than the most forgettable thing ever. Yeah, but if you make the worst yeah. thing ever, people will at least talk uh, about it being bad. Yeah, if you make the greatest thing ever, you succeeded. But if you just make something that's forgettable, yeah, that's pro- that's actually the baddest that yeah. the worst thing you can do is make something that is just forgettable. Yeah, it's like been nearly 20 years and we're still talking about the room. Uh, yeah. <laughs> We are. Well, actually, we? I was I was gonna bring up one that got the. Uh, I was gonna bring up one that got the MST three K treatment that I thought was so <laughs> fucking horrible. I was laughing the entire time. Oh God! <laughs> Back in me, just just watch ET. <laughs> Mac and me was so fucking horrible. Even the end was so fucking horrible. And I was laughing so hard that upstairs, Christy was like, what are you laughing about? And I paused the movie still, still rib laugh, like belly laughing. Went up and told her, I was like, I'm watching this fucking horrible sci-fi movie oh that's the it's sad thing it's not a spoof EP, they were being sincere it's so horrible but, it's <laughs> funny. but seriously though you tell me you never <sighs> had a full-on well, synchronized dance sequence in your local mcdonald's before i had like three before this quarantine thing happened hmm? <laughs> and that was just this year hmm. 
and that was un uh, unbidden. It just you know just you're like, hey, let me get a let me get a Big Mac and fries. Well, why do you think? And all I of a sudden, man, where do you think the extra and extra value meal comes from? <laughs> It's not really forced. It's the, more like the they just beam the entire ambition? sequence into your head and you just go along with it. Oh, so it's a violation. <laughs> but was it stupid? Don't you... Don't, you have just isn't that what it always violated. feels like Ooh, to have McDonald's? Well, again, oh no! Why is this happening? <laughs> um, the experience yeah. of watching Mac and me summed up in a single sentence. <laughs> why is yes? Why is this happening to me? And I think I'm going to add that as another Trello card that the three of us could talk about shitty sci-fi movies that uh, MST3K has given the the riff treatment to. I'll 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 do that here at some point, but uh, you know that that that'll that ought to be a good laugh. I can't I can't tell nope. Star Trek into I'm darkness would be a hilarious strip tracks for me, or if I'll make it too real. <laughs> no, I take that back. That one will be hilarious because I actually get some inter- entertainment value out of that movie. Well, if we do a Rise of Skywalker riff track, though. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, okay, so so when I say, so I'm saying like we talk about movies that MST3K has done riffs on, like Mac and Me or Manos Hands of Fate or that really, really bad Godzilla one that they did where the, the uh, I think he was Asian, he was a heavy set. Asian or Mexican dude, he was like bull butter. I need this, 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 and this, and then they just took that and ran with it. I have for no like idea what you're talking about. Minutes. The only uh, the only Godzilla I movies think, I can think of that are really, really bad are just the yeah, well, you, the '98 one by the dude who gave us um, Independence Day and the 2014 one that actually half the people love, even though I despise it with a passion. That had like the worst human character in the entirety of the franchise in it. Well, no, well, no I'm when I it's a it's a knockoff, so it's like a B movie. See, now you got to be incredibly knockoff. more specific. <laughs> there are so many Godzilla knockoffs. Well, okay, so. I will send you a message once I look it up and let you know. But um, at this point, we're we're going long, so and we're still on final thoughts for. Well, no, I, g- I gave arcs. my I gave so my final thoughts for redemption let us arcs. Wrap this uh, up and- Zuko, good best example of one. Agreed. Uh, Sasuke, terrible example of one. Never watched Naruto. Um, Kylo Ren. Terrible example of one, possibly the wait, worst. Yeah, wait, Sasuke it, no, it was the arc? worst. Uh, it, Sasuke, I okay, think so. The fact that Sasuke you didn't recognize a, that he had a redemption arc says everything about the redemption arc. <laughs> probably says everything about the redemption arc. 
it also says how far mm. he went into the series. Probably. I've seen it from Probably. start to finish. So if he's only gone up to a certain point, he may not know a lot of the bullshit mm. Sasuke did. <laughs> yeah, I'll say this. Yeah, I've I've done all of Naruto up to Shippuden. Go ahead, Evan. So like, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, oh! I thought you were about to say something. Evan, speak. Um, but yeah, just just as a point of reference for Sasuke, there's a point in the series where he literally raises the original. Hokage, like the first Hokage from death and literally asks him hey, what the fuck is all of this uh, Uchiha Uzumaki bullshit that's going on and the Hokage breaks it down as like this long lived feud that has been getting reincarnated basically in Sasuke and every version of Naruto, which you also come to understand that there are a lot of other characters that are basically Naruto too, but it's, it's specifically Sasuke and Naruto. And after Sasuke understands that that's what it is, he then he he then decides to become Hokage of the Leaf Village, the village he literally led an assault on to destroy with every intention of killing everyone there. And then when he meets back up with Naruto, tries to kill Naruto again. <laughs> wait, wait, hang, hang the fuck on. I, I thought Naruto was the, I thought Harugo be, or take your time, ah, take your time. Shit, brain. I, I brain know when you. when you hear these things happen, I thought your brain stops for a moment because it cannot compute. Like, I know. <laughs> right. So I thought after uh, Big Titties make old chick make uh, Genjutsu spell. No, Naruto, Naruto had not become Hokage. Hokage yet. He doesn't become Hokage until after the series ends, and even then... Kakashi becomes the next Hokage. Naruto becomes the Hokage after that, I think. Dude, you need to watch it all the way through. (laughs) You need to watch it all the way through. Well, I mean, like, we're already paying for... Well, Naruto should just be on Netflix. I thought it was on Netflix the entire season. It is, but... Or you could it just, is, you know, but... get yourself a Crunchyroll. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. You and uh Yeah, you're yeah. missing out on because you because it's only up to Shippuden. Oh boy. Oh boy, David. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> See, I actually think the series is pretty okay up I'm, to Shippuden I'm because that's a... when they do the time skip where Naruto goes off to train with Jiraiya for like 10, like 5 years or something. Like 3 to 5 years or something like that. It's not too long, but it's also not short. It's like 3 right. or 5 years. Um, and then yeah. when he comes back, we're in Shippuden. Everything goes yeah. downhill from there. Every fucking thing goes downhill from there, man. Nah. 
No. But 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 Hanada, she's got titties, and I took so a picture of them, and, you, and, and they're good. Me titties, and you both love Hanada as a like character, like a teenager. So, I I want you to think about this. She gets Naruto, but only mm. because she's the second choice. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, he's trying for Does Sakura the entire time. He just doesn't get Sakura. And there's actually a really good scene yeah. where Sakura is trying to uh, is trying to get him to stop going after Sasuke. So she pretends that she falls in love. She pretends that she's in love with him and tells him she loves him. And it's like that's what you wanted, right? I love you. We can be together. So you can stop chasing. You can chop stop chasing Sa- uh, Sasuke. But it's so far into the series. Even Naruto, his expression. You think he does that little head cock where you tilt your head to the side, like, and he kind like I literally imagine Naruto really, tilting bitch? his head to the side and squinting his eyes. And then he's like, you, and then this is not verbatim, but in my head, he goes, you lying bitch. (laughs) It is lit. Sakura (laughs) just continues to be a trash character and she just gets trashier and trashier and trashier. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Who doesn't? So, Evan, uh, do you have Netflix? Um, well, obviously, but um, if you would like to understand all the context, and it's going to be context in future episodes, uh, go ahead and watch. I probably uh, won't just because I have so much on the back burner now. Like I started watching, like I'm almost done with star blazers. 2199. I started Uh. watching samurai seven. I started watching Deadwood. I've started playing, um, uh, horizon zero dawn and control and Sekiro shadows die twice (laughs) to do. I have a lot. Yeah, um, we are done with Tiger King now. So if mm. if Evan Speaking is of bad redemption in arts. the process of watching stuff, because I yeah. haven't gone too far in Samurai <laughs> Seven, it we 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 set our piece. We're not going back to Tiger yeah. King. Okay, we're we're not going back. I only watched. We the set first our piece. Episodes. We're not going back. I'll, I'll finish it eventually. To the end All I can say is I don't know why people are taking sides when everyone's horrible. <laughs> can, can That's what I said, watching. right? I was like, no, there are no good... Oh, fuck. Don't do that. The Evan. nicest guy Stop. is the drug <laughs> dealer that. who deals drugs like, just so he can help out animals. When the drug dealer no, is your no, nicest you, character. You <laughs> The Mexican one. Well, uh, well, no, okay, no, you're, you're we're gonna we're, we're to gonna stop. Be specific. Which drug dealer? <laughs> the redemption arc is mine. When I stopped watching it, so I could watch something else on Netflix instead, like Dragon Prince or something. Yeah, we're gonna stop. Or that last <laughs> awesome season of Castlevania. Yeah. <laughs> 
Oh, we 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 covered. I that. wish I got here sooner. Don't, oh yeah, we definitely we we covered. I think Castle. my perspective would have yeah, been more interesting because totally I didn't come that. into it as a fan of anime or um, a fan of the video that's... game. I'm oh, a yeah. huge Warren Ellis fan. Yes. Well, I didn't come in it as a fan of Castlevania. Yeah. I came in it as a fan of a Castlevania game. See, but for me, Warren Ellis is the guy who wrote every episode of, of Castlevania, and he's one of my um, favorite writers ever. So, and, like this, this guy could basically uh, and, he could decide he's, he's brought, doing Wuthering Heights, and I'll watch it. And there are a few things in this universe I hate more than Wuthering Heights. <laughs> so when I found out he was doing Castlevania, I'm like, well, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> but uh. Hmm. I I don't get that. No, if Gerald gets that reference, but uh, Gerald, you, it's the specific game involving Hector, right? Uh, yeah, uh, Curse of Darkness. Yes, and uh, so he he came into us doing the review of the Castlevania series based on that, and. All three seasons of the Castlevania series are awesome. Um, Trevor, they're good. Yeah. Well, I say they're awesome. That's my opinion. Because there's good and fight that scenes. Wonderful and, Warren Ellis, misanthropic dialogue. You know, if, if you need violence <laughs> and all that. Moral of the story is everyone yeah. needs to read Transmetropolitan and thank me afterwards. <laughs> um but yes so let us uh you know we could with, with the three of us we could probably go on for forever and a day so let's go ahead and stop here um so evan you might not be able to give a hundred percent final thoughts but let's just go ahead and no, give final did. thoughts for the entire episode <laughs> basically Redemption arcs require a sense of inner conflict and guilt that it's not a redemption arc just because you decided your protagonist have are okay with the person or whatever. And uh, in the end, you got to look at the good and the bad to really get it and ask yourself, is a redemption arc even appropriate for the story I'm trying to tell and or are experiencing? Yeah. Also, character, character consistency is a thing, and you should obey it. I have watched right. Clara from Doctor Who get ruined by the lack of that. I've seen Kylo Ren ruined by the lack of that. And Janeway was screwed from the get-go because of the lack of that. <laughs> mm -hmm. Thank you. It, 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 it's nice to hear another person besides David or one of my friends say that <laughs> <laughs> consistency isn't consistency yeah. is in a story. I often say there are four Janeways. The one all the female <laughs> writers at the time loved writing, the one all the male writers at the time loved writing, the one that all the good writers at the time are writing, and then there was the one that Kate Mulgrew tried to play episode to episode. <laughs> that poor woman. <laughs> she deserves so much better than what she got. Mm. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, Gerald, final thoughts for the entire episode. Um, I uh, final thoughts. Uh, <laughs> I am not sorry to see Tiger King go. Um, oh, um, uh, for me, 
I couldn't turn away from the pl- from the uh, train crash, but I am glad I'm at the end of it. Um, what happens after that is between. So what you're saying is when he gets parted, you're going to be right outside the gate uh, going here. No kitty, game, no life. Kitty. I'm still enjoying. <laughs> oh no, I'm not. <laughs> no. no, we're not. Oh man. Those, those songs. Um, no Game, No Life, still good. I do recommend it. Um, and Lock and Key, everybody... I mean, it's supposed to be like a mystery horror, so I, I guess we should have expected the heel turn where everyone starts spiraling. So I guess now we're getting into everyone Less spiraling so for me, in their, I read own the comic, personal, so. <laughs> uh, their own personal hells, I guess. So I already was aware of most of the twists and turns that were coming. Yeah. Um, it, I actually I haven't finished the watching the show better. yet, but the comic is excellent. You should definitely read the comic if you get the chance. And I heard that there's some deviations, and the deviations I heard of did not necessarily sound good. <laughs> now that, and that's also one of the few times where I actually mm. come out and say they should have hired a transgender actor. Um, just, and if you read the comic, you'll understand why I say that. Uh, I'm guessing if you watch the show, you already know about the gender swap with the main villain, but. In the artwork, I thought they did a really, really good. Hmm? Oh, yeah, but you called it. Gerald called it because uh, um, he 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 has said that he thinks uh, "Well Girl" or "Echo" or as I like to Echo. or as I like to call her "Evil AOC" is a gender swapped uh, character from the. From Rendell's yeah. Well, in the comic, so the character gender swaps, but the artist does an excellent job of basically just looking like the only difference between the male and female version is one's male and one's female. If that and if that makes sense, you have to read the comic for re- to really understand. I don't think I can put into words how it is, and that's yeah. why I thought the smart thing would have been to get a transgendered person to play that role, because yeah. then it would have just been the same person, just some scenes they'd look female and some scenes they'd look male. Yeah, she's an Asian boy band member. The only difference mm. between the male and the uh, the only difference between the male and the female <laughs> version is long hair and boobs. That's that's what she was like in the book. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. like but otherwise the, the same person who played the yeah. male version of the character <laughs> after seeing the female version. I'm yeah. like, I'm not 100 percent sure that quite works, but okay. But what are you gonna do? <laughs> yeah. Well, I had also made the uh, the point that even even though we, I think we all agree that Echo is female, she's very androgynous. And like I had said, she, she doesn't have curves. That's not what makes someone androgynous. She doesn't have titties. She just has long hair. Well, she does. Uh, remind me again, is small Echo the sister? Not noticed. Right. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Echo is the chick. Yeah, that's kind of how she is in the comic, too. Like, yeah. if they had gotten the dude who played the villain from Stargate, I mean, Granny's too old for it, but, like, if you could go back in time and get that dude and get him today, that would have been perfect for the villain. Oh, you're, you're talking yeah, about... the movie. You're talking about original Stargate, yeah. the guy who played Ramses? Oh, God, yeah. He was, he's, he was like, for the 90s, yeah, and, he was that androgynous dude. Yeah, that's how he... Wasn't he in the That's how he got his start, and that's what the, I'm saying. I'm not even sure if he identifies a man, honestly, but still. Like, 
you could dress yeah. him. He could put on women's clothes. He will look like a woman. You need him to look like a man. He can look like a man. That's what you needed. I felt like if you were really trying to be true to the comic for that character. Right. Or David Bowie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Or David like that's going to stop. He's dead. <laughs> I mean, you think you're David Bowie's gonna wrong. put a little thing like death get in the way? Come on. Though, <laughs> <laughs> so in the show's well, defense, a lack of David Bowie is most creative things' uh, major flaw. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah, David Bowie does tend to make everything he's in better, doesn't he? Well, I mean, let, when you really think about it, let, let's not forget Labyrinth and his. Uh, I don't think that was a cod piece. <laughs> well, let's just also remember that Labyrinth was a. Uh, it, let's also be just clear. Labyrinth was not about the protagonist. Yeah. Labyrinth was about David Bowie in that role. Labyrinth was about the cracked David article. Bowie. That was about him. That was his movie. The protagonist was the actually a side character. Article put it to best him. when they said that once you're the <laughs> Goblin King, you are always the Goblin King, and that's that's labyrinth in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong, but uh, I, I tend to not like to quote Cracked as. Oh, this was from like over a decade ago. I haven't read Cracked in forever. <laughs> oh, I know. So, you're I stopped reading Krakow a while ago. I think I figured out about five minutes before everybody else did that it was way losing its way. All the good writers went somewhere else. The new ones were coming in, and they're those like they're like the bad SNL writers that aren't really yeah. good. They're just trying to copy what old writers do. That's what happened to Cracked, I feel like. Yeah, yeah, you're not wrong. So let's go ahead and end this here. I hope everybody has enjoyed this podcast. Um, since we're still in this, and I'm going to use air quotes just because that's how I do this unprecedented time. Everybody be safe. Wash your goddamn fucking hands. That's um, right. Be like the same. Wear a keep face your face covering covered if up. you must. Um, keep your keep your six feet apart. Mm, yeah, yeah, or a stormtrooper. Um, but you know, cover your face if you must. If you're feeling ill, keep your six feet apart. Wash your fucking hands. I can't. I cannot not express that too much because that's like a big issue that honestly you should have been doing that before this started anyway wash your fucking hands use yeah <laughs> which is what i'm trying to say <laughs> you know use hand hand sanitizer if you can't i know chewy said that alcohol absorbs the viruses in but i think that's bullshit no. Yeah, it's the opposite problem. If you overuse hand sanitizer, it actually good. kills germs and bacteria that your body actually needs. But you should still wash your hands like crazy. Like hand soap costs right. like a dollar at your local store. Come on. <laughs> it, 
at, at least every 90 minutes, if you if your hands feel gritty, kind of like mine do, and I'm probably after after we cut this, I'm going to go wash my hands again. Um, you know, just wash your hands, be safe, and everybody have a good week coming up. Gerald? Well, basically the same. Everybody uh, have a good day. Finish having a good week. Be safe out there. And take care. We'll hopefully uh, have you back with us on the next podcast. And Evan, it was good this to was meet fun. you. I hope you uh, come back as a guest for us again. Oh, he will. And all I can say is, Go come on. to the dark. Come to the dark side. We have cookies. We Evan. Final thought: ventilators in the mask. We're awesome. Yeah, but your cookies are raisin cookies. We put butterscotch in them for too. that cookies bullshit. Hmm. I don't uh, like butterscotch, so you're the still not got another one. You will <laughs> join the dark side. <laughs> All right. Oh, don't worry. He'll be back. <laughs> the Jedi will send him right back. <laughs> don't worry about that. Yeah, just so remember, just the dark side also has the better bar. We learned how to make him from this guy named but, Quark. Uh, <clears throat> Mm, ah, bringing the uh, Deep Space Nine reference from yesterday back into the forefront. <laughs> I got gotcha. To be fair, Quark doesn't you know care who good he and well this with. He is absolutely neutral in all of this. You know that. Yeah. Who do you think created Canto Bright? Um, Canto Bite. I mean, come on. We know Quark made that place. Okay, let let us uh, let us continue right. this chat on Discord, Evan. I'll have to send you a link to our channel. But everybody, have a good rest of the weekend and have a good week. Then. We'll catch you back here on next Saturday. All right, who's here? Okay, okay. now Evan. I can hear you. There we go. So this is a little. Off script, off script, because uh, Gerald. Since when do you have here. a script? <laughs> well, you're not entirely incorrect about that. We have <laughs> guidelines, so to so to speak. <clears throat> well, based on what you said yesterday, apparently I'm the star of the episode since I'm the only one who watched the documentary. <laughs> hmm. Well, uh, so. Usually, we start off by going over how your week was. So, ah. how was your week? Um, you know, it was a week of doing nothing. A new TV, so that was nice. Mm. Smart, hopefully. <laughs> so you can Netflix with your uh, Hulu whilst uh, IMB TVing with your Facebook. You sound like an old dad trying to like get in with the lingo with the kids. <laughs> <laughs> it is a smart TV, though. I was already doing all that stuff anyway. It's just now I no longer need my PS4 to do it. <laughs> ah. Gotcha. So I'll uh, I'll Twitter you through Facebook via Snapchat, and then you can uh, MySpace me via I don't know, whatever. 
No, please stop. (laughs) (laughs) For God's sakes, I'm in my 30s too, and you're making me feel young. (laughs) Well, if those damn kids would just stay off my lawn, I wouldn't have so many corpses. No, kids, kids never stop me from having corpses, but that's just me. Hmm. Oh, you weren't, uh, you weren't here, at least not for the start of last week's podcast. But uh, there's an Xbox game that I had when I was one of the random times I was going through the store. There's an Xbox game where your entire job is to stop kids from killing themselves. <laughs> Sounds like Tucker and Dale versus Evil, the game. Except it's children, not idiot college students. But I What's like the your difference? reference. <laughs> and I digress. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, and we we had opened it up with talking about Bodhi from Lock and Key and how we don't know why he's not dead yet because he just. Oh, I've got a key that looks like it's got a head on it. Let me stick it in the back of my neck. Click. <laughs> yeah, he's like that in the comic, too, which makes sense, actually, when you think about it. Because, like, of course a kid would be that stupidly brazen. <laughs> mm, or especially the... Uh, we don't have a... At least I don't rem- know of a uh, name for the key yet, but the one that opens the skull door. And you step uh, out and you become a, a spirit. Yeah, it's been a while, so I don't remember the names of all the keys. And I think Bodhi names them. Like him being a kid, and the kids be and the kids themselves being so young is actually super freaking important. Because evidently, the adults don't remember any of this at all. That's because when you become an adult, for uh, literally uh, right on your 18th birthday, uh, you're completely incapable of retaining any memories of the use of the keys. So that's basically the reason why they didn't move to their family home earlier, because even their father didn't remember that he had been on a bunch of adventures as a kid. He had completely forgotten about it because he became an adult. Hmm. So there's something in that, uh, in that whole concept that just makes me think kids have it better than us poor (laughs) bastards who decided to grow up. I don't think they have it better. <laughs> I'm surprised Bodhi winds up as um, psychologically intact as he does when all is said and done. And I think, spoiler alert. <laughs> well, I'm just reading from. I'm just talking about from the comic. I don't know if what they're going to do with the show. I mean, there's already a couple of differences from the comic and the show already. So I don't think I'm spoiling well, anything. That's to be expected, I guess. Well, you so, know. Someone put it very well once when somebody explained that, uh, I forget what it was in an interview. Hell, it might even have been me <laughs> because it was so long ago this first popped up. But they pointed oh. out that if they wanted to read the comic, they'll just pull the comic off of their shelf. They don't watch the movie or the TV show based off of the comic for the comic. <laughs> you know, And that's always been my mentality about things. So when I... <sighs> I have seen enough like comic book adaptations in film and TV that were literally shot for shot, word for word, exactly the comic to know that it's not exactly a good thing for them to do everything just like the source material. I mean, look at Sin City. We watched it like crazy when it first came out. How often do you talk about it now? (laughs) 
since you just brought it up, this is the first time I'm thinking about it. Exactly. And that is probably one of the most comic book accurate things ever made. Or, you know, the incredibly, uh, what's the word I think I'm looking for? Shallow adaptation of Watchmen that Zack Snyder gave us. You're talking about the movie movie, not the series? Zack Snyder didn't do the series, so the movie. The series is awesome. Everybody should watch the series. And ironically enough, the series is what uh, my buddy Jacob always said they should do for a movie, but wound up not doing. Like, I always thought if you're going to do a direct translation of the story of the comic, you were better off doing, like, a 12-episode long um, adaptation on, like, HBO or something like that that'll let you get away with, well, let's be honest, all the blue penis. <laughs> <'Cause> right. <laughs> there's a lot of blue penis no matter what version of watch you do um and ironically and that if you're going to do a movie what you should do is just an original story loosely based off of the concept of um the concept of uh watchmen and try to do for in a film version what watchmen did for comics which was actually see if you can take that basic concept or story and use it to elevate whatever medium you're working with. Because I think to anybody who only knows Watchmen through the movie and hears guys like me talk about how it's the greatest comic book story of all time, I don't think they understand that the reason it's the greatest comic book story of all time is first and foremost because it was a comic. (laughs) Mm. It's not that you can't tell that story in another medium, but you can't tell the story the way the comic told the story except in a comic book. And funny enough, I actually did uh, go ahead and pull the trigger on the comic series off of Amazon, so I've got it on my Kindle. I uh, haven't actually looked at it yet, but I, I do remember from... Yes. You haven't read Watchmen yet? No. That's like required reading, my man. And I'm not even well, saying that as like a geek or a guy who really loves comics. I mean, literally, if you look at almost any like major publications list of 100 greatest, like, American written novels, it's on there. Mm, well, I'm sure as a uh, as an aspiring author and nerd, there are probably at least a hundred books I haven't read that are required reading. Yeah, that's okay. I've I consume so much media that so many things just wind up through the cracks. I can't get on anyone else about it. Hmm. I, I will say this though, it's um. I think uh, I'm guessing you saw the movie. Yes. Yeah. I think you're going to be really surprised. Like when you read and you're like, wait, this is the exact same story, but somehow this is just better. (laughs) Well, so what I, when I was saying is I remember. And this has come from a guy who actually likes the movie. I should point that out. Yeah. I mean, the movie is good. Well, my enjoyment of the movie is mainly from the knowing the Watchmen movies. We almost got instead and how easily it could have been a lot worse than it was. <laughs> like, um, I recently, uh, on my radio show, which has been on hiatus since this started, uh, we, like, my uh, co-host and I spent an entire year on just the subject of Watchmen. When you read it, you'll understand why you need a year. <laughs> so, yeah, and uh, we, yeah, we spent a good two or three weeks on the movie. And um, one of the things we did was we talked about how it took 20 years to get that movie made all the ways 
all the missteps here and there that happened, uh, the arguably better versions we were close to getting, like for a while, like uh, for the part of Ozymandias, like to give you an idea, like in the early 2000s, just before, and I think this was the one that got the furthest before the Zack Snyder version got made, like Tom Cruise and Jude Law were basically vying for the role of Ozymandias. I couldn't see Tom Cruise as Ozymandias. I sure as hell can, because Ozymandias is Tom Cruise. The only difference is the blonde hair. He's this like <laughs> this empty, shallow guy who's just completely and totally focused on his like goals. It's well, um, let me put it to you this I, way: I get... the difference between the two is I would prefer Jude Law personally because he would act the part. Tom Cruise just has to be Tom Cruise with a blonde wig, and he's Ozymandias. <laughs> right, but. Um, the guy I'm I'm assuming the guy who ended up playing Ozymandias was like six foot tall or something. Yeah, Isn't he's Tom like Tom Cruise, like five three. Ozymandias is. I mean, I mean, Wolverine is five foot three, and we've accepted a six foot two Aussie playing him for over a decade. Well, for nearly twenty years. So <laughs> I think it's safe to say well, you're not wrong. Yeah, and also, like, Tom Cruise does not look as short as he does in any of the movies he's in. Well, that's, I'm sure that's clever camera angling and platform Yeah, that's everybody. Like, height, height means nothing in film. <laughs> like, the dude who played Cyclops, James Marsden, that guy's only about my height and everyone else in the cast, including Halle Berry, apparently, was, like, six feet or taller. <laughs> and they were able to make him look like he was around about level with everybody. Yeah, yeah, you're not wrong. Yeah. Um, and uh, since this is going to be off cuff and very off script, uh, have you ever heard of the movie Interstate 60? No. Curious now. Oh, oh. Please, I'm um, looking for new things to watch. I just recently saw Blood Quantum. That was interesting. So Interstate 60, I would I would qualify it as a early 2000s cult classic movie because it stars James Marsden, Gary Oldman. <laughs> oh, this sounds fun already. Yes, Gary Oldman has got Kurt Russell. Um, Amy Smart plays the love interest, of course. Who just popped up in something I was watching just earlier today. I just saw the first episode of the new Stargirl series on DC Universe. Mm. She plays her mom. Uh, Starfire? No, Stargirl. Okay, I'm I'm not as in tune with DC as I am Marvel, and that's putting it lightly since the only comics I've read were Ultimate Spider-Man. Yeah, well, remember it's me, so I'm not going to get a hero, superhero name wrong. <laughs> True. But, yeah, so, no, Stargirl is, uh, honestly, you should look, you just, just, I just say look her up this time. Uh, she's actually one of my probably favorite of the newer DC characters. She's a legacy character. She's a legacy character that feels like she's someone who stands on her own feet. Like she became a superhero basically to rebel against her stepdad. <laughs> I don't like you, stepdad. I'm going to become a superhero. So fuck you. Not too far off. It's more like she found out her stepdad is stripesy. Who's a, uh, who's an old school, um, uh, golden age character <laughs> and because he's actually trying to be a good 
dad. He doesn't want her putting herself in danger. So naturally, since she doesn't like the fact that her mom remarried, she decides to be a superhero. Like, that is not the character's motivation in the TV show. There's um some interesting changes in the TV show that, like, as a comic book geek, I'd be lying if I said it wasn't, like, bothering me in the back of my head. But at the same time, as somebody who has a brain... I'm wise enough to know that you kind of have to make some changes because otherwise you are asking a lot of your uh, TV go of your TV watching audience because there's a lot of heavy history behind just how Stargirl has her staff like that alone requires like me going into an hour of like golden age comic histories explaining who all these different characters are and then also I can just explain Jack Knight the Starman of the 90s. <laughs> to which then you'll be like wait wait what does this have to do with a girl called star girl to cassie and i'll be like i'm getting to that <laughs> like we could spend that's like an entire just call me your just call me your tits i'll get yeah. to it in a moment like if you want to do an episode on star girl like as she is in the comic and the t- like we'll probably need a good three episodes one where i'm explaining all this detailed history about the like freaking golden age of superheroes in the dc universe and um like and particularly Starman, then why that ties into a friggin' teenage girl <laughs> and the Justice Society of America, and then after that we can start talking about the show, <laughs> which mm. we probably shouldn't do until at least the first season is done anyway. So, mm. yeah, I uh, finally bit the bullet, and because I have the time and the money, I went ahead and put in a subscription to DC Universe. I figure I can afford seven ninety nine a month. What the hell? And yeah, I've been watching Doom Patrol, which is wonderfully weird, <laughs> and, and Swamp Thing, right. which is a surprisingly good horror show. Um, I say that yeah. because I actually am a huge Swamp Thing fan, but I feel like whenever Swamp Thing gets adapted into a TV show or a movie, it's like they never read the Alan Moore run of Swamp Thing, which is the definitive run of Swamp Thing, and... Let's just say Swamp Thing, as you probably know him if you haven't read those comics, is it, that doesn't work post-Alan Moore. <laughs> hmm. Well, from what, what I un- I have a, a vague understanding of Swamp Thing and wasn't it was kind of an environmentally uh, tinged kind of comic. Yeah, I think that's more inherent in the concept than anything. Um, but no, it's it's a lot of people like to use him for environmentalist stuff, which makes sense because, well, uh, for those who aren't familiar with the origin of Swamp Thing, because you apparently never watched either of the movies or saw the TV shows or the cartoon or the new TV show. <laughs> he's yeah he's been adapted it's funny he's one of those characters you don't think has been adapted much until you look him up and you realize oh he's been adapted a lot i think there may have been even two mm-hmm. tv shows well yeah because you include the cartoon he has two tv shows and i remember just being strangely enamored with the tv show that came out in like the late 80s or early 90s which was funny because i was a kid i wasn't too keen on things in live action to begin with anyway like only cartoons got my interest and this was a swamp thing mm-hmm. show where swamp thing almost never showed up I think there were whole episodes where he wasn't there. And yet I tuned in every single week because I was just really into the drama of that show as a little kid, which was funny. But um, Swamp Thing, right. the origin, as most people know it, thanks to said movies and adaptations, is a scientist working in the swamp in the middle of Louisiana named Alec, Alec Holland 
was doing some experiments out there. Some major corporation uh, that didn't like what he was doing uh, basically came in, attacked him, and blew him up in his lab full of chemicals. And while he was literally burning on fire while covered in these chemicals too, he jumped into the swamp and he molded with it and became Swamp Thing. And most people, I think, are used to that version of Swamp Thing, like I said, from the movies, where it's like, oh, there's a weird-looking monster. Swamp Thing's going to come out and beat it up like a man-sized Godzilla and then go right back into the swamp. <laughs> Alan Moore's run, though, um, kicked everything off with uh, his second issue, which was uh, – and his first issue was basically him taking everything the previous writer had set up and just sort of, like, capping those off with a couple of things he can go back to later so that he can start doing his own run, basically. This is Alan Moore when he first started out, too. Like, he was just, like, getting his name out there. And Swamp Thing was a book that wasn't selling that well, and they couldn't keep a writer, so they gave him kind of practical free reign to do almost whatever he wanted. And um, so what he did was... what is Quick interruption. Because mm-hmm. I, I, I have a... My spider sense is tingling in that you're getting really excited about this. Um, <laughs> the name Alan Moore sounds familiar. He's the writer of Watchmen. Okay. And arguably the best in terms of quality writer comics ever had. Like, his worst okay. comics are better than some people's nope. best comics. Yeah, it looks like Crit's here. Right. Yes, he is indeed. Welcome, <sighs> welcome to the chaos, Crit. Yeah. I'm uh, explaining Swamp geez. Thing. <laughs> yes, he, he is here. Yes. So it's you, me, and Evan. And like Evan just said, he's. I think I woke up next to a swamp thing, thing tw- once or twice. Well, you know. Well, being that you were a Marine, uh, that's, uh, that's me, to be expected. Yeah. Of course, years there where I didn't remember an awful lot. I'm sure that girl had plenty of personality. What was his name again? Uh, I don't rightly remember what her name was, but I do recall it. it looked, the morning after, it looked like someone took an ice pick for her face. Yeah. Yeah, you came in right when I was about to explain why Swamp Thing is people who only know him from the movie doesn't actually work if you know your comic. <laughs> then turn it the other way. I'm guessing there's a I'm guessing there's a group of little Swamp Things that Crit's dealing with right now. That is so possible. <laughs> so, uh, so here's the thing: Alan Moore's like, in a weird way, the story that kind of kicks off his run is called the Anatomy Lesson, which is to this day my second favorite horror story ever in a comic book. And it's uh, basically it revealed one major thing, which was Swamp Thing was never Alec Holland. He basically was just a sentient giant plant creature who thought he was Alec Holland. <laughs> so a Groot that thought he was... No, he's not a Groot. Groot. Like, uh, let me put it to you this way. If Groot met Swamp Thing, he'd bow. Because as the story progresses, uh, and this has started a concept that's been in the DC universe ever since, which is all plant life is represented kind of like how, you know how the Flash has the speed force? Yeah. Well, for Swamp Thing, it's called the green. All plant consciousness exists in the green, and he's kind of the green's emissary. So essentially, Swamp Thing is more or less a god. 
Interesting. (laughs) And like, and this is this is all from chemicals and fire and jumping into the swamp. No, it's more around the lines of like, if anything, that just kind of gave the green an excuse to create something like Swamp Thing. And we find out that there have been things like Swamp Thing for the longest time, but Swamp Thing is the one uh, that his direct connection to the green gives him a like. This is why I laugh whenever somebody's like Superman sucks because he's too powerful, and I'm just like, do you not know your DC universe? Superman is like somewhere in the middle of power levels in the DC universe because like literally Swamp Thing makes Superman look like a normal person by comparison. <laughs> hmm. In fact, one thing has had to save Superman's ass at least at least one serious time I know of, but I, something tells me it's been more than one. Hell, Superman almost got taken out by a plant once. <laughs> Did this plant hold kryptonite? No, no. Actually, it's one of the most famous Superman stories of all time, written by Alan Moore and drawn by Watchmen uh penciler dave gibbons and it's called for the man who has everything you can huh. find a reprinted copy very very easy they also adapted it into an episode of um yep. justice Bye, league Craig. unlimited yeah, i'm guessing the kids have wrong. i'm guessing <laughs> the the little swamp thing yeah done. drug him into the swamp uh <laughs> which is known to happen when you have uh metric fuck ton or even just one fuck ton of little ones around <laughs> but yeah well as you can imagine with all that talk about swamp thing if you're hey, it's uh, hey there's chewy yeah i'm having and chris yeah. back so you dealing uh, with little swamp well, things doing... of your own there crit well, considering what i just told you about swamp thing i don't think you want them uh, to be that I'm dealing with little swamp <laughs> things and the wife and i got a uh, storage unit and we're going through all of our crap and sorting it, it away in places. Okay, this goes in your craft closet. Hmm. Okay, so Chewy, welcome to the chaos. We do not have Gerald here with us. He is a wall for some well, reason, which is worrying me. But, I uh, saw him up at five in the morning. And he was doing Warhammer Total War, so he would be able to speak about it at the podcast. I'm guessing that he's still sleeping. No. No, no it could be. Could be, because uh, I, I sent him a Facebook message, I texted him, and then I called him. And I called no him oh, like I four or five times too. in a row. And usually that gets his attention. What did I miss? No. Uh, so, yeah, Gerald is not here yet. I, we're assuming he's still sleeping off his late night into Warhammer Fantasy. Uh, Evan's been talking about the DC TV thing. show. That's what started it. <laughs> That's what started it. I was explaining how I'm so, actually impressed with the TV show because it's so showing s- very subtle signs of going in the direction the comic did, and I'm used to the TV show not doing that. I mean, TV shows and movies of Swamp Thing uh, not really doing Doom Patrol, that. the TV show? Started watching that, too, and I'm happy oh. with how weird it is. Also, anytime yes. Alan Tudyk help, is on screen. Help, right? Right? Uh, hey, I'm being raped by my wife. Help! Uh, why do you want help, sir? Just submit. 
Yes, let let her rape you. Be 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 glad she's trying didn't, to rape you. Didn't the vows say that you have to obey? No, love and don't no. <laughs> no, not ours, but either way. Um They said don't the vows say you have to obey? It's like, no, we had a head passing. Hello. <laughs> Give a man some warning, damn it. No, just grab and go, girl. Grab and go. What's so, what? so to the to the listeners, I'm I'm no. guessing Crit is getting a blowy right now. I do. So, so that's why you were getting rid of the little uh, swamp thing. No, I can't get rid of them. I'm sure you can. Benadryl and about a half a shot of Jack Daniels, you'll be yep. rid of them for about three hours. Shit. <laughs> I love you, honey. And which then this leads to the MC. question, what's he going to do with the other two hours and 55 minutes? That's a Deadpool joke, and that's actually how I met my wife. <laughs> so, wait, wait. So, she was... She was <laughs> okay, for the record, gave, the girl in the movie's not a and, hooker. And you she's gave a stripper her... that's different. No, it's she was a, a hooker at the time. It's actually a crappier business model with more work. No. I can't begrudge yeah. a guy for wanting to defend Inara from You're Firefly, not so... And at the time, Jane <laughs> meets... Fuck, whatever her <clears throat> name is, Inara. And uh, she was a prostitute. <laughs> Afterwards, she, is a, she isn't even a stripper. She was, She's was a waitress a at a strip club. Not you. You know what I'm talking about. We went to Deadpool on our first date. So, uh, it can be said that Deadpool can literally turn a hook. That was the best uh, romance movie of that year. It really was the best romance movie of that year. It did. Didn't it? (laughs) And when it first came out on home video, it was the number one streaming on Amazon under romance. I, I know at that point I was still working at the airport. So when it, and I took my Kindle with me, I think it was a Saturday that it finally was able to download. So I do own Deadpool. But no. it's on Amazon video. Uh, and I would be remiss if I didn't point out that that woman has more geek points than we will ever have, considering that in her career, she has stolen the heart of what? Mal Reynolds, had a, had an intense sexual relationship with Second Deadpool minute. and got, and got knocked up, and I think she's now married to Commissioner Gordon. Yes. Oh, for no, in Gotham? real life. Like, the guy who played Gordon in Gotham, like, because she got on the show, they met. Apparently, they got along so well that he knocked her up while they were in production. Well? And he was in the process of, divor- of like, finalizing his divorce from his previous wife so he could be permanently with her. If I had the opportunity to knock that woman up, I'd take it. So, so since that. we're... Hey, I don't. Same here. Sure <laughs> and 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 the actress's name is Morena. Uh, Morena Beckman. Uh, yes. Wayne's girlfriend. You'd and, hit that, uh, wouldn't you? And gift. What? Uh, I never stop. I can confirm. Me. My wife would hit that too. Sadly, all the re- all of us who are Commissioner Gordon, all we get are just certain episodes of Homeland. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. <laughs> well, 
evidently Kurt's wife would use the double-ended uh, marital aid to commence uh, the I mean, of that. No, she, she doesn't need any help. She did it on her own. So what you're saying is your wife has I think what he's saying is that that's the uh that's the celebrity clause there is mm-hmm. that woman. <laughs> and it goes mm-hmm. both ways. Anyway. Yeah, I don't have a home. Pass, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah. Wait. You yes, don't get a hall pass with Marina back. I don't get a hall pass but... with anybody. My wife is like, ah, no. I'm like <laughs> Even if it's just all three of you together, it just seems romantic to me. I mean, I'd imagine that the married couple who gets with a companion together stays right? together. Well, we would we would hope, right? Because the uh, the indecisive young boy that has his night with the companion uh, decides to go ahead and uh, release the ground lock yep. on Serenity so they can leave. Well, that's because she's really she good at her job. Really good at her job. Well, I, I would. Uh, and with oh, that thought, uh, I'll be uh, in my bunk. <laughs> yeah, I was actually getting to that. That one episode. Nora, um, that one episode. Um, well. Let's just say this about Firefly in general. It does not have a bad episode. Its worst episode is better than most shows' best episode. And uh, Firefly was canceled too soon. Thank you, Fox, for fucking up. What gets me about that is everything about its cancellation is confusing as hell. I mean, they spent a fuck ton of money on that show. Like, it was expensive as hell for them to do every single episode. Yeah, it gave it gave Joss Sweden like all this free reign, but yeah, they aired it out of order, gave it the worst time slot, didn't bother showing the pilot until like a month after the show had had started coming on air. Yeah, moved it around and gave it almost no advertising whatsoever. So I'm like, why did you spend all that money to just screw it over? Right. <laughs> well, it's kind of like you know, Fox executives are executives for a reason. They're dumb as fuck. Yeah, but I expect that from Warner Brothers, not Fox. They're kind of like administrators at work. You don't know how they got there, but none of their ideas are worth a shit. Somehow they have control over oh, your you're talking about life the Kevin and you're Smith going, rule. you haven't done this job in 20 fucking years. It has changed. It has morphed. See, that just it reminds me. Animal, and you still think you know what you're doing? Why am I listening to you? Go away. Yeah, it's it's what Kevin Smith said. The way it works in Hollywood yeah. is you just sort of fail upwards. <laughs> yeah, it's the only thing that explains. You know, I already made the joke, but still, it's the only thing I have that explains Warner Brothers. Um, it's not just Warner Brothers. My my father is has been working for um, American Airlines for a very long time, and yeah, well, they got bought <laughs> out recently by TWA, I think it was. And they... Yeah. TWA is still a thing? Yeah. And they bought out American. So, yeah, they're kind of the big dog in the yard now. Because it was American that was a big dog. But they went through and had a bunch of supervisors and managers and shit 
show new guys around and then fired them the same day. And anyone that raised a fuss and yeah. said, this is stupid, I'm making it a, 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 a priority right now because it's stupid and it's dangerous and it's bad, got fired on the spot. So you either shut up and dealt with it, became a yes man, or you got fired. Mm. So let me let me uh, stop everyone here and tell and tell you about the times that I had spilled jet fuel on the ground at the airport when I was working there. American? And guess what airline it was? American. It was uh I forget the plane type, but they they have the wings low enough that I don't that I didn't need a ladder to put the mm-hmm. uh, the nozzle in the slot to do the thing. But it was summertime, and uh, you know the a plane can only take so much fuel before it starts bending excess onto the ground, and the. I had reached the point where I couldn't put any more in, and the pot was like, oh, no, no, it can take more. Okay. Um, so I go back down, start, I flip the safety off, and putting more in, and lo and behold, you're gushing out. Dude, I'm taking more JP5 baths than I can count. Of course, and- I was in the Marine Corps at the time. Yeah, well, I mean, y'all probably didn't. Well, actually, you probably did, but that ended up being me pushing dry sweep across the entire uh, fuel deluged part of the runway in oh, yeah, I was there. North Carolina summer heat. <laughs> because everyone else had to, uh, you know, go fuel other planes. So I was the, the last dude. Um, the only dude to do that, and none of the firefighters would help. No, those those redneck some bitch motherfuckers were just chilling up in their damn uh, giant firefighter, you know, fire trucks with air conditioning. And I was like, "Hey, can I go get a drink of water? I'm like super hot and dehydrated." And he was like, "No, you can't. Uh, you got to finish that shit." He's listening to the radio, fucker. Uh, Pandora, yeah, sorry. So. That's that's my wife. Tell her to close that box. <laughs> Somebody oh. opened it at the hmm. beginning of this year. We all know that. Just... <laughs> oh, so isn't it supposed to be crab men? No, the this month is murder from Skyrim are coming. I like how, uh, I just like the meme I put up that had a picture of Apollo Creed and it said my plans and below it is Ivan Drago and it says 2020. Hmm. Oh, we got a Rocky <laughs> reference and not Rocky Horror. Hey, I love those movies. It's weird. I'm not a sports guy, but those Rocky movies, I can watch them anytime. All except for two of them put me to tears. Okay. <laughs> If he uh, dies, he see, dies. See, that's I'm the weird guy who doesn't like that movie. Well, that was when Stallone was at the height of his steroid use. So, yeah. Well, also, it's just it's not a movie. Like the first, you get half a movie and then a series of montages. 
And as far as I'm concerned, that is just a prologue to Creed 2. Because <laughs> Creed 2 makes that movie so much better. <clears throat> okay, so let us rewind back to Watchmen, to what I was trying to say before. Watchmen the movie, Watchmen the TV show. A rant. Which is okay. Yeah, if well, wait, why would leave out general, the comic? Because there Because was, wasn't there a subplot in the comic that was like really important? But it was, uh, it wasn't even included in the movie. It was. Oh, it's in the movie if you have the ultimate cut. In the comic book, it's aliens attack, and that's what brings uh, everyone together. It's a big plot to make it look like nope. aliens attack. Well, I mean, that's, yeah, but no, no, that's not the, oh, that plot. I think you're talking about the thing with the pirate ship. <laughs> yeah, it's in the ultimate code. Yes, I was talking about the thing with the pirate yeah. ship. Yeah, they, uh, they actually animated that, and it's basically, there's a um, story going on, it's a metaphor for Ozymandias involving a pirate comic that a kid yeah, is reading a, throughout the a little the black kid on the corner Watchmen next to run. the newsstand that the guy's always bitching about. You're going to buy something? You're just going to stand there. What are you going to do? Come on, now. you got to buy something. And by guy, you mean Rorschach? Oh. Uh, gotcha. But yeah, so that was that was a point that I had wanted to make like a half hour ago. I mean, sorry, I had to pick up a package. What was the point? Uh, everyone else... Just that there was that kind of important subplot um, that didn't get added. Important and not important at the same time. Like narratively important, no. Thematically important, yes. I, having the ultimate cut forever, I personally prefer the version that actually does have that subplot in there. But Zack Snyder says he just prefers the what's the director's cut, which is basically the exact same as the Ultimate Cut, but without the Tales of the Black Freighter animated bits. <laughs> Narrated by Gerard Butler. I'll tell you this, though. Never, ever read the before Watchmen comics. <laughs> Half of them are decent, and that's as good as it gets. <laughs> Wait. David, are you just trying to get us to talk about pirates? Pirates is a great porno. <laughs> mm. <laughs> okay, so I'm hang on a second. I, I'm sure that we have keep, keep uh, talking an actual that. schedule that we're supposed to be nah, following. This is just a random yeah, conversation to confuse people. That works for me, because just talking about uh, how to how to fix a drug scandal when nobody else had watched it would have been very awkward. Uh, <laughs> I'm not gonna lie to you; I don't follow any of the shows that y'all do. I watched um, some of uh, How to Tame Your Tiger, freaking Oklahoma edition. Just, just. <laughs> Oh, speaking of, let's go ahead and uh, pull that but, band-aid off. Yeah, I only watched two episodes of Tiger King. I, I can only stomach 
uh, an entire group of incredibly horrible people for so long. I mean, <laughs> I kind of had to watch it because it's happening in the state that I currently live in. So I kind of needed to know something about it. Not to mention, I'm also a bondsman. But unfortunately, he's not in this part of Oklahoma that I'm in. Yeah, he's still in jail, though. I mean, he was convicted. He's not getting out. Yeah. Well, I mean... Yeah. He was an idiot. I mean, he is an idiot, right? There's no denying that. But as far as the yeah. people in, involved in that shit, I can, say, I can safely say that he is probably the least wrong. <laughs> I, I think that's uh, no matter whose side you're on in that I think that's how you pick a side who's the least wrong <laughs> like watching that documentary there's only two people I felt any sympathy for uh, the girl who was a part of the other dude's cult who got out uh, sometime after she wo- she just found herself waking up in the middle of the night and suddenly getting a boob job <laughs> and the uh, the drug dealer who's drug dealing to preserve animals. Those are like the only like sympathetic characters. When the drug dealer is one of your sympathetic characters, you got to wonder about the people you're spending uh, your time with. Yeah. And don't forget, arm. there was also Saf, the girl who lost one of her. Well, she her identifies arm. as a man. Yeah. The point is she, she's one of the good ones. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But that dude, I I, I'm a, out of respect, I'll just say that. Like, that dude, yeah, that's the only other person. But that person, to me, it was just like, that's when I knew for sure when they started talking about how they went right back to work after get, losing their arm. I was like, okay, you people are all just fucking brainwashed by this dude somehow. I mean, I don't think it's so much the brainwashed by oh, the Although there's a certain amount of that. But I think it's more that... Uh, what the guy said at the very beginning, animal people are just fucking crazy. Matthew. Right? Monkey people yeah. are still out there, but all tiger people are backstabbing pieces of shit. And I think later in the show we find out that he is one of the tiger people. Right? So, like, obviously he was including himself in that, that statement, but yeah, I mean, you, if you look at it, he's not wrong. That's the it, that's the probably the truest statement in the entire series. Oh, now you're making it sound like F for fake. I don't think that documentary is that brilliant. <laughs> I, no, I didn't say it was brilliant. I said the the opening line was oh. No, no, no. I'm agreeing with you completely. It's just that the way you put it, like, that's the most true statement in there. It really does just remind me of that um, that famous documentary, F for Fake, where literally at the start of it, Orson Welles tells you that everything you're about to see for the next, like, uh, I think he said, like, 40 minutes is true. But if you look at the but if you actually look at the time, the documentary is more than 40 minutes. And that's because at some point he just starts lying his ass off. <laughs> And this is, except I'd say the difference is with Tiger King is that the longer it goes on, the more you wish everybody was lying their asses off. But everyone is too obviously lacking any sense of self-awareness to do that. Yeah. Well, no, 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 no. There is one person in that entire show that has the common sense to shut up or call people on their bullshit. And yep. 
Yep, it's Doc Animal. And Doc Animal, as uh, G has previously stated, he is a super. He is a comic book supervillain. He's just a cult leader. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And how do uh, fucking supervillains get their minions? Yes, they pay them. Pay them. <laughs> no, God, no. I'm just saying, Lex Luthor has an excellent dental plan. He does, but he's also got to that position by being two things, brilliant and charismatic. Nobody in that fucking show is charismatic. Yeah, but nobody in that show is brilliant. (laughs) Nobody in that show is brilliant or charismatic. They have large animals that people love to look at and will never be able to get to touch. And they're giving them the opportunity to be very intimate and have a relationship with that animal that they never could anywhere else. And that's the dope. That's the hook. It's nothing more than a crackhead. Everybody everybody in that show. Everyone in that show so we're, is the living. We're uh, yeah. not Everyone in that show is the living embodiment anymore. of that old French saying: "Fools will always find people more foolish than themselves to follow them." That was also a, a where you uh, think it came from. The first I mean, Lucas movie. steals everything. <laughs> it's true. Well, let's not get sidetracked on how terrible Lucas is as a writer. <laughs> <laughs> you got a year. I said, let's not get sidetracked. <laughs> okay, let's talk about how bad a writer oh, Gene Roddenberry is. Okay, uh, no, no, no. <laughs> we're 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 staying on some semblance of track. Uh, what is actually on the schedule? Seeing so, I don't actually have it in front of me, and I couldn't look at it if I did. Well, unless any of you have watched episode seven of Locking Key, there's not really much we can talk about other than me just rattling off all the really um, fucked up shit. I've only watched the first couple of episodes and read the whole comic series. So Why don't we hold the uh, bench that one until and see if G shows up later? Because I don't expect he's going to be asleep forever. Um, yes. What was next on... Um, well, Chewy, uh, you, and, you and I should be able to talk about this. Uh, Destiny. You guys want to talk about a stripper? So have you... Well, I mean, it's something we throw our money at, but it's not a stripper. So have you gotten no, Phil Winter's lie yet and all the crazy shit that was involved in I getting it? I haven't been on for the last couple of days. Let's see. Uh, <laughs> been a fairly right. shitty week. Oh yeah, did we get through with everyone's uh, week stuff? Uh, we did for Evan. Uh, so if y'all want to go ahead and talk this week, let's. Uh, well, I'll go last, thing, so I'm and, not really uh, sure what right. happened this week. <laughs> All right, so who's here? Also, welcome back. There's one, two, and we're just waiting on Evan. So Evan's talked about his week. So, Chewie, you go ahead. Well, let's see. 
Uh, work was shit. Okay. Hmm. Uh, um, and there's Evan. Had two days. Let's see. Wednesday and Thursday were total garbage due to the fact of 2020 smoking dope and being retarded, not having any help out of a 16 hour shift. I drank one Gatorade, did not eat anything and probably walked six miles. Hmm. Fun. So a typical a typical day at, at the uh, prison at the confinement facility. Yeah. Uh, today was to go on a relaxing ride on my motorcycle, <laughs> and that got shot to shit when the bike just stopped running doing seventy five miles the highway. That's um, not good. Yeah, okay. You okay? Oh, yeah, I'm fine. Luckily, the motor didn't lock up, or I would have went head over for heels and this, that, and the other. Mm. Well, so you now definitely the motor's want to go head off. over heels. No, you go head over heels. When the engine locks up, the back tire slides, the motor goes sideways, you go forward, and your head yeah, goes down, you- your ass goes up. The head goes over heels. Yeah, but it sounded like you said head over feels like. I heard heels. No. Well, yeah, I guess that's, I guess that's just me then. It's head not- over feels only happens when Meg Ryan is involved. Yeah, good point. Yeah. But just- then last night we had all get together at the house because I got older. Which correlated in me getting woke up at five o'clock in the morning by my calling me to step outside. No, he just said step outside. I said, what's wrong? Just step outside. And when I stepped outside, I see this lovely four-foot section of my house that no longer exists. What, tropical (laughs) storm? No, he lit the house on fire. Who's he? And and who who do I have to torture? Well, he cooked grill he cooked chicken last night on the grill. And as he was cleaning his grill to put his grill back up, he swept out all the old ashes out of the uh smoker box. And didn't make sure and they were out. And, and he placed ashes in a cardboard box. Whoever he is is a fucking genius. He put aluminum foil and everything that he had on the racks on top of said ashes in the box. So basically, he made an oven. Yeah, he, whoever he is, is an idiot. Whatever ambient heat was left in the ashes finally got the paper up to 420 degrees and it felt ignited. Yeah, that was crit. Well, when that ignited, it burnt the cardboard, which wouldn't have been that bad, but he had all the fucking tinfoil and shit that had all the trimmings still on it, which is fuel. So that burned Mm -hmm. uh, a fascia board 
and a two-foot section of studs. It didn't burn all the way through the wall, but it burned a good section of the wall. And luckily, he woke up because it was his part of the house that was on fire. And he well, got up, went outside, and put so. the fire out. But, you know, then woke me up at 5 o'clock in the morning to tell me, you know, hey, I set the house on fire. So that's where I'm at right now. Uh, tell me about the part where you set him on fire. Uh, well, see, he, he wouldn't do that. But tell me about the part where you enlist your friend <laughs> that would kill a dude just for looking at him wrong uh, to come visit him. Well, I called my buddy to come to show him the damage, and he was in town. I told him to come by because he's a he was used to be uh -huh. a uh, he used to build houses Sorry. for a living, so he could tell me about how much it would cost to fix and this, that, and the other. But when I walked outside, it's five o'clock in the morning. I've just been woken up. The dude that's renting the house from me works with me at the prison. I known in Bay for a while. I've known his family and he's a really nice kid and he's a kid. He's like 20 some odd years old. He's sitting but, in so, a, so a fold out chair looking at the side of the house. I'm outside barefooted in the dark looking at him. He's sitting there looking at the wall crying and I'm looking at him like what's wrong? He's like I don't know why I keep fucking up. I don't know why I keep fucking up. Why am I going? Why am I so stupid? I'm like, Bay, what are you talking about? Did you shoot somebody? What happened? What's going on? Because I haven't seen the house because it's dark outside. And I just woke up 30 seconds ago. So my eyes have like still got crud in them. I don't know what the fuck's going on and blah, 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 blah. Mm. So yep, finally, I, I, I turn, see the house, focus, and figure out, oh, there's a hole burnt in the side of my house. Okay. <clears throat> mm -hmm. Take a deep breath, assess the damage, and go, okay, it's not that bad. Hmm. The, he's not dead. The house didn't burn down. This can be fixed. He can pay to fix it. <laughs> I'm not going to right. use my insurance on this. It's going to be all right. Turned around, told him it was okay. Life will be fine. Yes, I'm upset you set my fucking house on fire, but you're not dead, and that's the important part. Hmm. I said, no, go to bed. Enjoy your smoky house feeling. I'm going back to sleep. <laughs> hmm. And that is what I did. Right. And, yeah. So my house was set on fire. How was your week? Uh, okay. So since Crit's not here, um, it was, it was a so-so week. Um, I was told by my supervisor that I'm bringing in subpar numbers. Um, and being that I'm 38 and I'm not young, as young as most of these other dudes at my job and a couple ladies are, and they 
I don't think there's anyone else now who's uh, working the job with me that has, uh, you know, done the raise their right hand twice. So, um, yeah, yeah, Gerald just said he slept through his alarm. <laughs> um, so I am 38, but I've got the body of, say, a 45-year-old, maybe. Is that Gerald? No, that's me. Uh, I called Gerald's roommate to see if Gerald was alive, saying so he still hadn't shown up yet. And he went down. And yeah, he just door. he just sent a message. I know. I was just explaining the the goings ons. Anywho. Yeah. So, so I'm I'm still on my week. Um, I did I did some more downloading of free D and D content. They're still bring it, I guess, during the uh, entirety of this. So I've got stuff. I printed out two uh, adventure modules for level one to four players. Um, so D and D campaign win. I guess that's Gerald. Yes, that is Gerald. Um, well, it'll be at some point. Yes, welcome, Gerald. We've we've already had a, a segment and a half of random craziness since you weren't here. My bad. Setting a lot but, uh, and parents and slept right through it. Uh, well, from what Grant said, you've been up until Yeah, getting stuff done. It's At not least. much of an excuse, but it is what happened. Dude, it's not like this right. is a nine to five. You're all right. Yeah. And I was finally able to find an MP3 of of that song, that overload song that I hear when I play the YouTube video, but I couldn't find anywhere to pay for it. So I had to turn to one of my torrent sites to find it. So that found it. And I have it. And I'm going to make it a ringtone. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> Gerald, you know the one I'm talking about. You had sent me the non-functional version. Mm, I'm not remembering right now. Um, the, Res- the Rasputin song? Oh, oh, oh. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, that one. I found the Funk Overload version of it, downloaded it, so now I have it, and I will make it a ringtone. Raw, raw, Rasputin? Because that's how I do. That one? Okay. Yes. Raw, raw, Rasputin, lover of the rushing mm-hmm. Yes, that one. Yes, so I have that. Um, not really much else for me has happened. So, Chris, wanted to go last, so since we're doing a reprise of how weeks went, because it was just me and Evan, he went into his week and then launched into a diatribe about Swamp Thing, which is okay, because we, we condone going off the rails on a crazy train on this podcast, but... Well, I did talk about Stargirl briefly yeah. before that, so... And how I that is also and true. how I said I think I said we would need three episodes just to talk about the TV show if we start bringing up the comic too, because 
That girl has no interest in that shit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, can't say the show is going to change your mind. The comic's really good. <laughs> but I think it helps that the comic was written by a guy who just got married to a woman. At the time, he had just gotten married to his current wife, who had a teenage daughter. So he put a lot of his experiences as a stepfather into that, and that played a heavy part. This version is clearly more focused on the teenage girl. Okay, so since, Gerald, you're here now, uh, did you watch episode seven? Of Lock and Key? Yes. Did you want to go into Gerald's week first? Okay, good. Yeah, I got all of my research done. It was one of the reasons I was up so late, making sure that I got everything done. And we are going to finish our weeks, starting with Gerald now. Um, a decent week. No major, uh, decent week, no major catastrophes. Um, Lucky you. uh, (laughs) <laughs> I think you missed that story. <laughs> you did. Um, that's how I. That's how I like to keep things. So, uh, major catastrophes avoided was is it, always nice. Um, uh, as far as just work wise, just editing and researching and so on and so forth. Um, uh, UI Goku drop for Dragon Ball Fighters, um, and <sighs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm a decent <laughs> player. I am not a pro. I right? just want you to. I just want to say real quick that sigh has to be the sound of 2020. <laughs> <laughs> the soundtrack of this year. <laughs> But uh, <laughs> but I have I have uh, listened to a pro player talk about this character, and one of the things that was said is, "This is a character made for children." Well, <laughs> isn't that always true of Goku? It 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 kind of is always true, Goku, in, in a terrible way, unfortunately. But yeah, that that was kind of always what it was for Goku. But um, like I I'm playing against this character, and then watching pro players play this character, it, it is a character who has more damage in a normal combo than he does in his super attacks. So. And and thrive on just push the button. Thrive on the notion of just push the button again and again and again and again and again. No, no, no. Don't think. Don't block. Push the button. Okay. (laughs) For the low person. So my Goku is a button masher's wet dream. Hold one before you answer that. Um, So for the lay person that does not play fighting games. Me. What is what is a super and what is a normal com- like a normal combo is like something that I could maybe do on the tier level a of super uh, takes meter. Uh, you have to build it up. 
and then you have to do a specialized fucking button press, and then it does an animation if you hit with it for an assorted amount of damage. Yeah. Okay. Pretty much what Chewie said. Um, normal combo, you just press and a button. Chewie, Chewie says that. Chewie says that as a uh, as a warlock in Destiny, and he hates the flaming sword. So, sorry. Uh, you're fine. But yeah, you, you press one button and you can do a combo. Um, you build meter for a super move, which is like Chewie said, a big flashy move, and it you it it usually does more damage on its own than a normal combo. But the way they built UI Goku is that he's just normal combos do like 50% damage like it's it's ridiculous and this is a character built and when I say this is a character built for a person who doesn't like to block he has a counter for everything he has a counter for projectiles he has a counter for melee attacks he has a counter for supers he has a counter for everything He's Goku, so just, he's OP. Yeah, like, mash buttons, do a special counter, more than likely you're going to punish your opponent for making even a correct decision. Um, hmm. Like, he is going... It, I'm not... Uh, it is yet to be seen if he's going to be the best character in the game, but it he is going to be a good character. Like he's going to be one of the better characters in the game, just off bat. Um, mm. but yeah, it's a, so so that is happening right now. Um, I went up against someone who knew what they were. I went up against three or four different UI Goku's. One of them knew what they were doing. I one of them knew what they were doing. One of the UI Goku's I beat. <laughs> The other three kicked the crap out of me. <laughs> so that was my week in trying to deal with that. But people are slowly starting to kind of understand how to deal with them. So like I said, it, it is yet to be seen how good of a character he's going to be. But it seems pretty obvious he's going to be one of the better characters in the game. Um, Just by benefit of being who he is. Yeah, just by benefit of being who he is. he's He literally has more special moves than any other character in the game. He has more special moves than, than like two other characters combined. Some of the other characters combined with another one of the other characters. He has... he It, it feels mm. like they gave him every single tool in the game. You, you need Probably a... Yeah, it's like you want an anti air, you got it. You want an anti ground, you got it. You want a one button <laughs> full screen projectile, you got it. You want two or three command grabs, you got it. You want counter moves, you got them. This is like, <laughs> you know, and, just, to, to me, me, this is this is weird. Because Superman in video games, the problem that every video game developer has ever had is you have this character who practically by, who practically defines OP. So we got to find a way to make it so this character is vulnerable so video game players can play him. And it looks like for Goku, who is also as, like practically defines OP, it's looked at him and said, no, let's go all in on that. 
And that's what you do when you want to <laughs> well, sell your DLC. Yeah. Right. And that's what I, <laughs> I, I was actually going to bring this up. Uh, but Craig, go ahead, uh, go ahead and say what you were going to say, and then I'm going to bring up uh, what's probably going to be a a 30 minute okay. discussion. So go that ahead. was the thing I was going to ask. This isn't a, a free download. This is a how, how much are they charging? How much is this pay to win? Well, for each individual character, it's four ninety nine or five ninety nine. So either five or six yeah. bucks. Right. Um. You can get the season pass because it the characters are usually uh, brought out every like two to three months uh, over about six or seven months, uh, depending on how the developers decide to how many characters they put into each season. And this is season three. So we already got one character in Kefla, and UI how... Goku is the second one. So if you get the season pass, it's like uh, 22.. I want to say it's like $22.25 bucks for the season pass. And that'll get you both of those characters and then every other character in the season. And there's like four more coming out, I believe. All right. So how long in a season? Um, depends. Uh, this season could be anywhere from... Uh, right now we have two characters. And the season basically started last month. Or... Well, yeah, and the season basically started last month. So if we get a character every month, which we don't always, because last year in season two, we were getting a character about every two months. But if we get a character every month, the season should last six months. Um, so, so like, for, so like for Chewie and I, who play Destiny on the regular, a season, I think. 90 days, Do right, Chewy? How long are the best uh, seasons? I don't keep up with them. Mm. All right. Well, never mind then. The, so that point's kind of out the window. But, uh, but so continue. You're Chris. essentially, the, this is the definition of pay to win. Now, granted, it's not as pay to win as I thought it was going to be. But by releasing this OP character at the be very beginning of the season, Everyone's gonna be like, "Oh fuck! If I don't get the season pass now, I might miss that." And they've already done two in the first month. If I don't get the season pass now, I may not have the five bucks for it later. So this seems like a marketing ploy to just be like, "Buy our shit now," because you know. And it probably is. I mean, let's be honest. Well, I honestly believe the mobile <laughs> game business plan has gotten into AAA games and destroyed it. Uh, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Because, you know, I play a little stupid one mobile game and we get disconnected. Uh, Craig got disconnected. Oh. No, He'll jump back in I play one yeah, stupid great. little, you know, mobile game and I like it. I mean, it's a Star Wars game. It's nothing, you know, awe-inspiring or anything. But you can either pay to buy right. all the stuff to upgrade what the characters you want, or you go through the game itself and, you know, eventually get all the shit you need, but you get, you're so far behind the curve of everybody else that you can't even play the game. Yeah, you're hardly get any, to... Once you get to a certain level, 
all forward progress stops because you hit the paywall so fucking hard. Mm. Yeah, because then, because like if you're not paying, you have to grind fiercely, and and I and I know that kind of game. <clears throat> it's like I think it was Candy Crush originally did that. So like, oh, you ran out of moves. Well, give us a buck ninety nine. We'll give you another twenty moves. And people that got addicted to the you know, the dopamine hit, we're like, fuck yeah, let me give you all the 199s you need, and uh, press that button, press that button. Yeah. So, but, uh, not you're not. So, since Crit's not here to talk about his week yet, uh, Gerald, the Pevin, who would win? Goku v Superman? Goku uh, v Superman? Yeah. There's no scenario yeah. there where Goku wins. Well, first of all, here's the real problem with the Goku versus Superman argument. Those two would never fight each other. Correct. No, that's not true. <laughs> Goku yes, would absolutely... No, 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 no. Goku would not fight him Goku to the death. He would absolutely. just test his strength against him, but he wouldn't fight him to the death. Well, well no, he it. wouldn't They're fight him to the death. But. The problem is Goku and Superman are way too nice. Superman would just invite Goku over to his parents' house for some apple pie, and Goku would be like, food? I'm there! And they become fast friends, and then Goku joins the Justice League, and that leaves some interesting stories. But, but Swamp I Thing... Would like, I would <laughs> honestly like that to be the case with the Superman v. Goku matchup. I really, really would. I think that should be the case, but... If you have been keeping track of what they've been currently doing with Goku's personality, the moment uh, Goku realizes how strong Superman is, he is going to do everything within his power to cause a conflict so that he can fight him. Like the Goku's character as a crack addicted fighting <laughs> obsessive uh maniac is literally amplified times ten in literally. Dragon Ball Super. Okay, that's a different story. He Goku's, Goku's crack is to fight people. To find yeah, out and how it's gotten completely are. out of hand. I even explained it to uh, David in one of the uh, earlier podcasts of how Goku, even though he's the protagonist, how Goku as the protagonist of his own story is literally more of a danger to everyone around him than the <laughs> villains that are there to kill everybody. Because of his obsessiveness to fight strong opponents. Well, he is essentially a child with a gun put onto a superhero level. But no, it's no matter how powerful Goku gets, though, if they did fight, Superman would win simply because Superman is smarter than Goku. Well, like, uh, at, and stronger. Oh, continue. Sorry. Continue your thought. Yeah. Uh oh. Oh. Um, yeah, I no, think. I Death Battle actually did it really well because me and a friend of mine used to watch it fairly religiously when it first started up, and they got to the Superman v. Goku one, and I actually think they this is one of the ones I agree with, and actually, uh, when they went through the logical steps of it, it did make sense, but basically what it came down to is Goku, regardless of how powerful he becomes, is a character who is always trying to surpass his limits. Whereas Superman is a character that has no limits. He is always as strong as he needs to be to defeat his opponent. 
That's why Goku can't win that That is actually that not true. There is still hmm. limits to Superman's power. Um, <laughs> now, if you're talking Silver right. Age, absolutely right. Super Silver Age Superman was fucking ridiculous. But Superman well, even... post post um, Crisis on Infinite Earths, there actually is a limit. There are tons of people more powerful than Superman in terms of just sheer strength. Well, post Infinite Crisis, but yeah. the this came out at a point in time before Infinite Crisis happened. No, uh, post so, Crisis on Infinite Earths, which was back in the eighties. There wasn't even an internet back when this was established. Oh, okay. Uh, but the examples that uh, the examples that they gave did uh, make sense, though, um, because uh, Superman has always shown that he'll get into a fight with someone who seems more powerful than him, and then he will beat. He will it, basically the same as Goku, uh, like all. Dragon Ball Super has almost just made Goku into Superman. The the new uh, that's just Broly it, movie, that's not how Superman wins his fight. That's why I always that's why I stop watching that channel because Superman usually wins his fights by outsmarting his opponents, not by outpowering them. Granted, he does something that someone of Superman's power has to do, but it's always been about how he uses that power, not that he has the power. Well. Yeah, and I'm not disagreeing with you on that. Um, and I also stopped watching Death Battle after a while because it was pretty obvious that they were trumping up who wins just for controversy and views. So I was like, yeah, I'm done with this. Um, and that was the Gara versus... Um, uh, oh, man, I'm forgetting her name. Oh, God. Uh, and she's, she's like my favorite character from Avatar. I'm forgetting her name. The small blind girl... Uh, strongest uh, Earthbender on the planet. Oh, she's oh, Toph. Blind. Toph. Blind. Yeah, yeah. Toph. Toph Toph. yeah, they Toph. did a yeah. they she's did awesome. a Gara versus Toph. So Gara from Naruto versus Toph, and they were like Toph wins that. And I was like, there's no conceivable way in hell Toph wins that. And even by the only evidence that they gave, Toph doesn't win that battle. And they were like, she wins. And I was I'd like, have to watch no Naruto to know for sure if I can agree with you or not. For right now, I'm going with Toph just because how can you beat so, like, I'm pretty sure you're right because I don't know anything about Naruto. I'm that guy. But, but this it, is well, like, basically, my, well, my thing I can make Rocky it really simple. I, I can make it really, this is really simple. Hmm? And I even said it in a comment that I made. Um, in Naruto, and this this is one of the things they brought up in their evidence, right? Mm -hmm. In Naruto, Gara is a master of sand. He can control and move sand. He can also control and move that sand at supersonic speeds. So, really, what this comes down to is that she does she cannot react to Gara's <laughs> attacks because every Every uh, bender, every earth bender, every fire bender, every wind bender, every water bender, they're just normal human beings with the magical ability to manipulate their particular element. They are not physically stronger or weaker than an average human being other than them being, you know, martial artists. So they have that physical attribute, but they're not super strong. They're not super fast. It, they have to use their elements to like boost their speed, and you, at no point in time in the show is it ever shown that they can do like superhuman feats, right? Well, 
The funny thing is, the funny thing Look, is, except yeah. for the Avatar. that, as speaking as a Daredevil fan, you can beat that with human feats. <laughs> if she's blind, and especially since she's very like, honestly, the one thing work, the working against her is the sand because they establish an Avatar. She has she is trouble orienting herself in a sandy area. Well. well, right. Yeah, but this is assuming that they're like in a desert. I'm guessing is where the fighting takes place. Are they in a desert? Well, no, they they're they're in a normal. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't oh, mean to like walk you off. It's oh no, you're 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 fine. Because she's it, sensing it, him. She's gonna know when he's about to attack. So she doesn't need to dodge or block the sand. She needs to dodge or block him by basically moving before he does his supersonic. Like, even if he can move sand at a supersonic speed, he is still operating at a human speed to move that sand. Like, kind of like how a bullet goes faster than the speed of sound, but it's still dependent on when a person squeezes the trigger. Right, but he's not, though. He's also operating at supersonic speeds. That's the problem. Ah. Then right, in that case, so I have to get to so know him as a character me, more to say for sure who I think would win this fight. Because the thing about Toph is that she is right. very resourceful. This is someone who was put into a trap for friggin' earthbenders so that they couldn't get out, and her response was to create a new form of bending on the spot. Yeah, I shall bend that's not metal. Somebody, like, <laughs> so, <laughs> and that's one of the points I brought up. Now, that yeah. is also a point that I brought up, because this is the way this, this is, this is the way I see this. This, you're not dealing with a bullet coming out of a sniper rifle, right? You're, and let's say, let's take that scenario. A uh, guy in a sniper rifle, he's a mile away from you. He's about to pull the trigger, and you can sense him pulling the trigger, so you step to the side. But right. that is but that is under the condition that you can literally react to after the bullet has left the barrel. So let's say and that the and that the bullet doesn't track you. So let's say you're you're tall mm, and you're like, yes. okay, he's about to throw a right punch and there's going to be sand coming at me from that direction. I can feel he's about to do it. I'm going to step left, then right into it, go under the sand. Um, so the sand is the bullet. The moment it comes out of the chamber, it instantaneously travels to you and curves and tracks directly to you. But that's your irrelevant. brain. Your brain cannot possibly. Your no, brain. No, no, no. I know what you're has, saying, but here's the yeah. problem with the track bullet argument. What's the first thing Toph's going to okay. do in this fight? That I don't know. What is the first thing that you Armor that she would do? Okay. Which she always does. So even if the sand can track her, and even if like even knowing how fast sand can move and it getting through all of like the rocks and stuff, she'll cover herself up with. It still needs time that the that the being able to move as fast as it does isn't going to keep her from making a connection with her opponent, which she doesn't even need to actually do on the spot. She doesn't have to punch him. She can literally attack him from like a mile away with the ground beneath his feet. Once it, and I just want to make this perfectly clear. This is me speaking as a Toph fan, but I am not saying Toph automatically wins. This is me working with my knowledge of Toph. I still know nothing about this dude from Naruto. Basically, <laughs> well, right. 
Hey, Garo is tough. I am going off system, of the, except he doesn't deal with all elements of Earth. He just deals with anything sand based, and he has a gourd on his back, which he mixes with his own sand. spirit energy that he has faster control of that reacts basically on a synaptic Blood. level when he thinks it moves. So, okay, but that also makes me wonder. So, ooh, that's dangerous if you're fighting Toph, because that means she can. I'm trying to remember whether or not she can bend sand. Yeah, she can bend it. She just can't see through it. I think it. she then learns to later on, just not during the show. No, no. Then she's then he's screwed. She can bend it during the show. She just can't see through it when she's walking. She can manipulate. Yeah, yeah. But if she sand. actually has bending power over sand, over sand, and he's operating with the sand on a synaptic level, that means she has control over his nervous system. Oh, okay, so uh, no, oh, hold, on, hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. So, well, no, and these no, are all valid connecting points, with and dirt, these are things yeah. that the the, the 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 what I'm trying to yes, no, no, hold on, hold on, hold on. Dance. If we go into this, this is going to be another segment. So yeah. we may want to save it for another time because Toph is my favorite character from Avatar, and I am yeah. staunchly on her side. But she doesn't win this fight. And oh yeah, I, no, I get that. Completely. And I outline, and That's... I tr I try to outline it the best I can. But the best way I can, um, the best way that I can just make it basic, so I don't have to literally go into every little detail and 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 pull this out away from our other topics, um, <laughs> unless we want to do it at the end and we can come back to it. Is it would be like if. Uh, because Gara also has the ability to crush the earth around him and turn it into yeah. sand. So they'd be even in that aspect. So yeah, she could bend his sand, but anything she does with earth, he can crush and turn into more sand. Yeah, but he would be um, he can also do that. He, she'd be able to control whatever he throws at her. So the question is, which right. is more powerful, bending or synapse? Let's just say they're equal. And if that's bending... The, and, then that she can actually use that to access his nervous system, and if it's the synapse, then she loses. Once again, I don't know this guy, so I don't know his powers. Well, work. right, right. And right, I think right. I just and, and I think I did a pretty good job of pretty much keeping it even. That like, like you said, it's not a question of who which character. Like my favorite combo character is John Constantine, and if he got into a fist fight with almost any other character, he loses. So just to give where I'm coming from, so it's. But yeah, you're right. And if we keep this up, we're going to be at it forever. Well, right. So we'll 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 stop here, and By the we'll way, come back to it later if we have time and if we if we choose to do so. But in my it, mind, as we're talking about this, we're both wearing lab coats, have incredibly complicated like writing board, and are wearing glasses too. And going through like, all these complicated equations, <laughs> trying to figure this out. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so so in my mind, I'm seeing the the two of you both holding the three cubes that Osiris uses to move through the infinite forests, and you're all like you're both violently trying to do it like a like a Rubik's cube puzzle. Like, no, 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 my my future's the right one, and then Evan's like, no, no, I no, prefer no, multiple choice with my right futures. Twist, 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 turn, place. <laughs> Also, let's be honest. If there's a if there's a well, at least uh, two guys in the military, then you guys all know. At the end of the day, it's it's like you can have all the skill, all the talent, but really, it's when it comes to a fight, it's really about who gets luckier. 
And uh, you are correct about that. So let us take a break here. Um, I don't think Crit's joining us just yet. So on the next segment, we are going to talk about I'm going to take this moment to use the bathroom because I have not watched episode seven. And we <laughs> Well, I mean, we can all take this moment to use the bathroom because we all have ah, to okay. accept the link to join back up. So if you if you need to take a bathroom bathroom break, take it. If you need, I need to do both of those drink, things. Do it. Awesome. And we will be yes. right back. <laughs> 